are listening to Free Beers and a Movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and today I've been joined by... Stuart McFall. Yeah, and this time we're not in Glasgow for the first time ever. No. No, we're in Liverpool. We are. Yeah, um, and it's late night. Three beers, maybe it's late night. Three beers, maybe it's a late night. Yeah. Three beers. It's so a guest appearance. It as gets, well. Yeah, so it could get interesting. Yeah. Um, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking Blue Moon, um, a classic Belgian white. Lots of coriander going on, which is super pretentious and hipster, but it tastes okay. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of, right. it's yeah. sort of like the, it's the first crafty beer I've ever had. I think it was a bit. It was a bit of a gateway. <laughs> yeah, craft beer. You know, but it's became now very mainstream. Like there's, it has. There's places that just pour it by pints now, so it's, but it's still nice. We liked it before it was cooked. We did, and so we can continue to like it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I am on Little Creatures, which is basically my blood supply for most. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a majestic beer. It is majestic. It's lovely. It comes from Fremantle, Western Australia, and I continue to love it even after like 13 years of drinking it or something so like that. It is pretty amazing, yeah. and I still love it. And every time I see a bar that's got it on tap, or not tap, but like have it in bottle, even though it's going to cost like £4 for a bottle of it, I, I'm required by law to, to buy it. Indeed. Um, so like I said, we are in Liverpool today, or tonight. Um, thinking Liverpool, just I would think about the other day there. What do you know of Liverpool film? Like, what can you remember being like a Liverpool-based movie? Uh, Hard Day's Night, Educating Hard Day's Night was not filmed in Liverpool. I guess it wasn't. It's also, it's also London. But... In heart, <laughs> in heart, <laughs> Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah, yeah. Edge King Rita, probably not filmed in Liverpool. I think that, yeah, I think that'd be Yeah, I think I'd go with that, yeah. Um, I don't know, man, that's a tricky question. The only one I can think of when we was looking at was 51st State. Remember the one with Sam Jackson <laughs> yeah, and um, Robert Carlyle? Yeah, that's a bizarre mashup in yeah. every single way. But that was that was filmed and set in Liverpool. Yes. Um, also, Nowhere Boy? Yeah. That wasn't very good, I didn't think. You don't think it was very good? No, but he married the director who was yes. like 76 years older than him. Yes, that's, yeah. Possibly more. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Aaron yeah. double-barreled Johnson, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's only, that's the only, I was looking online, there's only two films that I recognised that were shot, shot and set in Liverpool. Not many. But there's a lot of stuff that's, what we've learned over the last couple of days is Liverpool has doubled for like everywhere. It's a bit like Glasgow in that respect, like it'll cover right. everywhere, like... We were down at the dock, no, not dock, yeah, it's dock, Albert Docks. Hmm. That's where Captain America was shot. Um, Apart from yeah. the train stations used for Harry Potter. Yeah. And Fantastic Beasts and also Dark Knight was filmed around here as well. So, whilst it may lack a certain filmography history in that sense, it has been used for. It's been used a lot. Yeah. It looks like everywhere. I think it looks like New yeah, York. It's, and like it's it generic looking. Yeah. yeah. So, they can use it yeah. and it's probably 10 times cheaper than shooting in New York or Chicago yeah. or something like that. Um, and let's say Glasgow is exactly the same. Like everything shoots in Glasgow, yeah. but nothing is set in Glasgow. No. Um, but it's nice and cheap. Even Cumberbatch actually shooting in Glasgow right now. Um, but we'll keep it aggression as what we normally do is we look at non-cinema viewing. What have you seen that's not in the cinemas now? Like anything interesting? With you, we watched um, the Voices. You've not uh, seen it before, yeah? True. I haven't seen the Voices before, and uh, I really enjoyed it, man. It was, <laughs> it was pitch black like it's dark brutally and, dark film yeah, yeah like darker than night skies but fucking funny like the cat was outrageously funny the dog was really sardonic and dry but also quite sweet in a bizarre way yeah like you find him, you find him quite yeah. hard I, mean, I think that's the whole point of that film even Ryan Reynolds who is a sadistic bastard in that film to make any sense you find yourself rooting for him from yeah, most of the film that, that's the, the genius of it because it wouldn't have that pull if you didn't care yeah. and somehow you care about this psychotic guy 
Uh, but it gives you the stereotypical flashbacks where you know he's he's trying to justify what he does. Yeah, he tries to justify it, but well, maybe not justify, but certainly give a bit of context as to why he is such a mad bastard. Um, but you have to admire him for taking on that role, really, because he is he is the quintessential leading man in that he's he's whip smart, he's charismatic, he's extremely good looking, and most guys watch him on screen. You want to be him. Mm-hmm. Yet in that film, a simple batch of shit just for men and a bit of a sarky mad look in his eye and you suddenly think oh god I don't want to be that guy no no definitely yeah, not not at all it does seem also we talk about during the film it seems like the film was only made because he got involved oh absolutely because like, that film's not yeah. going to go anywhere without him without no. some sort of star power and he's obviously the guy who's put that in place but it's his, unpitchable yeah you can't pitch yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can pitch that film but then you've got to think basically the studio says you we want a star in that film now yeah and if you don't get a star we're not doing we're it we're done yeah and he has to do the voices uh-huh. of all the pets. <laughs> Apparently, they, I think they might be right. The pet Robin Williams was going to do the voices at one point, but I think he passed away before he got a chance to do them. And then, um, right. uh, suppose they didn't get Eddie Murphy involved. Actually. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> do a little um, bit. Maybe, that might be a completely different film. I'm thinking of. But I'm, I'm almost sure that was a film he was sort of going to be. He was one of his last performances, and decided to change it and make it. Um, Reynolds do himself. That would have been quite good. You yeah, you double barrel, double build that with uh, Sleeping Dogs. You can see, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we that one. Um, anything else? Um, again, quite late to the party. Seventy-one. Um, you, I, I love seventy-one. That was shot in Liverpool as well, actually. Was it? Yeah, yeah, I was shot in Liverpool. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I'm late again. I'm late to the, the party of that, but that was that was sensational. Yeah, I've been raving at that film for a while. Oh, oh, have you? Right? Yeah, okay, yeah, that totally was, yeah. You probably have raved about it. You, you watch a lot of films, but that was <laughs> that was ridiculously good. I think what does that film does amazingly well because it's about basically a British soldier caught behind enemy lines in Northern Ireland Northern during Ireland. pretty much the height of the Troubles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah essentially, yeah. yeah. The um, which obviously could go one way, but it keeps a really non-political tone. Yeah, it, you it's, don't, it doesn't say it stays neutral throughout. Yeah, um, and you see both sides of it, and it's pretty barbaric, and it's pretty. And you see both sides being as ridiculous and as insane yeah, as each other, as insane as and nonsensical as each other, and ultimately you are not drawn to either of them for that, but you are drawn to the character. Yeah, and so ultimately it comes down to the characterization rather than the politicization. So that is a really good piece of filmmaking in that sense. I think it was a film that I really started to like that character. I'm branching. Jack, Jack O'Connell, Jack O'Connell, yeah. Not the SNP leader. No, no. Not Jack. That's Jack McConnell. McConnell, I see. It's, it's O'Connell. O'Connell. Well, let's make um, a statue to him and yeah. piss on that. But yeah. um, that's when I really started. Like I know he was in Star Up. He was like the main guy in Star Up. He was good, very good in Star Up. Um, he was in Skins before that as well. Was he in Skins? Yeah, yeah, he was in Skins. Yeah. But it was really '71. Then he was in the one with Angelina Jolie, or the it, one she directed. The one well, the, what, when we've said previously, um, well, you said it. Coen Brothers, when they get rid of their scripts and don't direct them, that's another case in point. That was their. Did script. they do the script for that one? They did the they? script and they really directed. Yeah. I didn't know they done the script for that. Yeah, I know they done the script for Bridge of Spies. I didn't know they done the one for yeah. a, that one as well. They did that one. That one was a. It was. A, it he was, was just good, but him he was being weak. brutally sodomized in battle yeah. for two hours straight. But I read the book and I loved the book of Unforgiven. The story is, is great. The story there's, told. There's so much more to the story there. And all kinds of crazy and shit. And it barely touched on that, you know. Yeah. And that's been getting whipped for an hour and a half. For an hour and a half, yeah. It felt like it was a real missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, but he's a guy who you think is really interesting and he will be in more stuff. Than he Harry is. Brown as well, he's in Harry Brown. And I've seen Harry Brown before. Very good. Very good in that as well. It's uh, the English version of Gran Torino. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I figured it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 But um, it does seem like kind of film. He does seem like one of those actors who is going to go on to hopefully bigger. Things. I think so. He's he's got an edge to him. He's, he reminds me a bit of. He's not there, but that kind of edge that De Niro had, you know, during Early the on. golden era of Taxi Driver and yeah. everything else and Mean Streets, and you just feel as though 
he's on the is on the verge of something great. You're he's got a real fire in his belly that could be brought out. Like you see him link up with someone interesting. Like if you linked up with a really interesting director, that's what he needs to find. And that's what De Niro found, obviously yeah. with Scorsese and his golden one. So they got lucky. The pair of them. Oh. He's been flitting around with different directors. He's been in a few indie flicks. He hasn't. Uh, he probably thought with Joe Lee that was going to be his his big break into the mainstream yeah yeah Unbroken it just wasn't a good film ultimately it was a really dull film for what is a really insanely interesting subject matter long yeah they made a really intriguing subject matter incredibly tedious which is no mean feat yeah I mean that's impressive in itself (laughs) I normally Joe Lee as a a director and a a filmmaker I really enjoy her I do I think she's a really interesting filmmaker but she makes good choices generally but that was Um, oh I thought it was Wheelman which is a Netflix original it's got Frank Grillo in it. It's. I okay. thought it was going to be like a sort of a slightly darker version of Baby Driver. Okay. But it's not. It's more of like a a less and in, the same a less interesting version of Locke. You ever see Locke, the one with yeah, the Tom Hardy tour de force. Yeah. Uh, Brilliant performance. It's basically it's Frank Grillo in a car. He's a wheelman, basically picking up people from robberies and driving okay. away. One of the robberies goes south, and he's trying to uncover what's happening in it. And it just it it. Kind of really uninteresting to be so honest. Is it? It's all set in a car, yeah. Apart from this, was the end. It come all it, you got a few bits outside the car, but like ninety percent of the film is all set again. So in, in terms, the car. Of, in terms of being less interesting, what what's happening? Is he just listening to Radio Two? Or? No, he's talking on the phone to somebody. But you only ever hear one side of the conversation most of the time. It's not got he doesn't put the speakerphone all the time, which is annoying. He had to come into the car and he talks to them in the car, but he's not as engaging as. As as um, Tom Hardy, and that's what yeah. the biggest fallback of the film is. Hardy held locked together. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, this one Reynolds and Berry who did an amazing job. Exactly, yeah, you've yeah. got to have a real charisma to, to be able to hold a camera and be able to interest for Correct, yeah. an hour and forty minutes. And even though Frank Grillo, who I quite like as an actor, yeah, it's good, solid. He's got help in it. He still it still falls heavily on his shoulders. Charisma because, is the word there. Yeah, yeah, yeah and because yeah. he's not delivering that, he's, it's like I said, not bad, not even not awful, just. Very average. I think that might be what Netflix is sort of going for this now. Kind of quite. They've not had a great cinema like film release. Is great. They need that because the, the, the series, series are, are stunning. You know, they, they've been churning out amazing series, and, um, but the the films there hasn't been a classic. Wrong, but I haven't really seen it. No, I've, I think Netflix I think, original film. I don't I've know. watched most of them, and the only one I can think I really liked a lot was Gerald's Game. Which is one about Stephen King. That's, is that the Stephen King one? Stephen yeah. King one about the girl, the guy and the couple who go for a dirty weekend and he dies and she's chained to the bed. She's got to try and get loose from the bed. Isn't it ridiculously brutal? It, there's a there's a there's, moment, isn't there one scene? There's one moment in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's Twitter. There's, and, there's, the film itself is pretty harsh to pretty watch, tame. but then there is one moment you like, and it is it's sort of like the misery moment with the okay. with the, the hopping. You're like you're like oh fuck! Like, <laughs> like I had to turn away. I don't turn away from much on screen, wow. but this really did make me go. Jesus, that is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's really, it's, everyone in it's a good, that's a good Netflix film. Right. Well, Netflix one I watched um, this week was 1922. Again, uh, a Stephen King's King, isn't it? I only know this because um, uh, Mike Patton, one of my musical gods, the singer in Faith No More, does the soundtrack. Right. And he's, he's kind of had a foray into movie soundtracks and um, goes with this kind of weird, dark, ambient thing going on. So. If I see his name on a film, yeah. I tend to think, okay, there's something it, it's, it's definitely dark mean, going on. Definitely yeah. weird and dark. The basic premise of this film is that Thomas Jane is Thomas Jane's wife. Oh, Thomas Jane owns all this land in like 1922. Obviously, um, he and his son conspire to kill his wife, who's his, the son's mother, obviously, um, in order to make sure they get the land. And so, because she wants to sell the land and move away to like, the city and take them with her, and she's, they want to be farmers. And essentially, no one dies. 
and mum dies. Yeah, it's not the film they kill. Yeah, it's not the film they kill the mother, which is not spoiled. That is the premise of the film, and then it's basically the life, their two lives unraveling over this deed and the sort of uncovering of that to an extent, and how their relationship with each other unravels. Is it? Based in realism, or is there a supernatural element? There is a slight like, supernaturalness like the to soil it. Soil starts attacking. Them not or? quite so, but there is a certain yeah. supernaturalness to sure. it. That sort of, but then you don't know how much is supernatural and how much is sort of like someone's mental in state. Their heads, yeah, the fact that they're um, it's an interesting premise. You know, King is always interesting, regardless is, of yeah. whether he's hit or miss. He's always conjuring up really good ideas, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, and I think King liked this. I didn't like it so much, not because of. The subject matter. But I King liked the adaptation. He liked the adaptation part. Well, if he likes the adaptation, it's generally not good. No, exactly. Uh, um, and the, <laughs> honestly, the story itself is fine. I've no issue with the story. I could not understand what Thomas Jane was saying for most of the film. Oh, really? He, he went full hard. He went like pro- he went more like, like sort of proper hick rural like Dude. Arkansas accent. Oh. Like mumble, mumble. Yeah, I'm going. I don't know what you're saying. And if you and I could put subtitles on, but I'm like, no, you're an actor. You should be able to con- like, yeah. to me what I'm going to do. Punisher. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what you're saying. So I'm like, I don't really know what the what I'm supposed to be feeling. This. That would take you out of the film, and then there's no then there's no tension build up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a shame. Again, Netflix. It's it looks well made. It looks not. I'm not going to say cheap, but it's all set maybe three locations. Yeah, so they're, they're ploughing everything into House of Cards. Yeah, which we don't have to anymore. We don't have to anymore. We have to. Thanks, Kev, for the yeah. uh, the lurid. Junior things are putting a lot of money into as well, and the yes, Marvel and things, yeah. even the Marvel stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, of um, course they they put it into that. And so, this is what intrigues me. Now. Netflix is apparently in twenty year in twenty eighteen, so next year they're talking about doing eighty original movies. Law of Averages. You've got to have. A few classics in there, or, the, or they're up in the budget, yeah. or they just do mediocre, you know, Friday night guff. Yeah, I mean, one of them happy to watch any old crap. Yeah, one of them is going to star Martin Scorsese, it's going to be directed by Martin Scorsese, and it's just starring Joe Pesci and De Niro, so there is hope for that one. If you coerce Joe Pesci out of retirement, mm. then I will watch it. Yeah, that's fine. You but know. my worry is that one, they maybe don't put enough money into it, so it comes across again like it could have been more if it had been made by a studio and it comes across slightly it cheaper. It may feel like a TV movie, movie would yeah. be my concern. Yeah. Or like a one episode. And I just also feel that things that are done by guys like Scorsese should for the first time be seen on a big screen. They shouldn't be seen for the yeah, first time on, on feels, a TV. It feels like a compromise. It feels like it should be an event cinema. And for a man, absolutely, and for a man who is such a champion of cinema, would Scorsese subconsciously, if not wittingly, be holding back somewhat and maybe not giving it his all in the sense that he wouldn't give the full spectacle that he would if it was getting a full cinematic release. Well, apparently he's been wanting to do a film for so long. Like he's been, the Irishman's been sitting on his like shelf for. He's had quite a lot in production hell, hasn't yeah, he? Which he's makes been, no sense if you're which, not Scorsese. Exactly. exactly yeah. Fuck. But I think I think part of the reason he wanted Pesci. Like he probably was, held it back he for was a long really time. Pesci to do it. Um, <coughs> so the fact he'd been wanting to do it for so long and this is like sort of he maybe had to um, he's had to accept the only way he can get to do it is on. On Netflix, but again, like you said, it doesn't make sense. How? Why can they not fund this through? I mean, is it one of us? You know, they works with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you know, they 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 off. They've done Silence. Yeah, I mean, that is, a, is an auteur's film. That is ah, a, that is not a cinematic film. Not at all. That is, it's it's a masterful piece of filmmaking, but it is not a film to be enjoyed by a mass audience. Yeah, I mean, very few people enjoy Even that. Even Scorsese devotees like you and I are watching it, going, "That is a tough watch. I will never watch it again." No, never. I mean, I wasn't. I will never watch it again. Never. And I I will come away going. Well done, Martin. I'd like Wolf of Wall Street again, please. Silence <laughs> 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 to me was a film you go, well done for getting it made. Yes. That's the most impressive part, not yeah, the film in itself. In this climate as well. I mean, yeah. he's. Would, you can never make that as an opening film. You know, your first film in your canon. Mm. You know. But it felt more like Silence was a film you go, like, I'll make this 
I'll make this one for myself, and then I'll give you a, a mob movie because everyone loves a Scorsese mob film. Yeah, and you can market the shit out of that one and make millions off that one. Yeah, he's got that weird thing where that's that balance with him, isn't it? Yeah, that, that balance. He knows what the people want, and he gives. He does mob films better than anyone. And then, by the same token, he will do these introspective, really visceral films that aren't made for anyone apart from himself almost yes. and yes. a few critics <laughs> exactly because they'll love Silence Moon they'll love probably anything because he's done in the last 10 years but yeah. I didn't get but it but I, I don't get it yeah. the, the Christ film was the same you know it was just I actually really like Temptation of Christ I've got a real yeah I think the Catholic and they really really got behind that one somehow Catholic guilt yeah <laughs> really got behind that one um, that's really weird from 1922 in his Caesar's career that's, that, that might happen a lot in this one might ramble in sort of random directions we have it's fine yeah. um, another one I watched this week was Billy Lynn's Long Walk Long Halftime Walk it's a terrible title awful it's, it's an awful title it's, ba- it's the title of the book sounds like a Viz title yeah what? it's an awful title but it's a really it's a really well done film it's by Ang Lee and it follows. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. You wouldn't like him. <laughs> and it follows a troop coming back from Afghanistan, not Afghanistan, Iraq, sorry. Um, and there's been a video of them released, like doing something really heroic. And it's that the nation sort of fell in love with them. So the military okay. agrees to put them on a sort of like a, a tour of the country. Kind of like they used to do in like the old, like, 19, like the war, during the World War II, you know, that kind of war bonds type thing. Raise morale, get people involved in this shit. Yeah. Um, and from that, you start to see like sort of they're trying to make a movie deal at the same time. They try and get this like they're, so they can all make some money out of this. And you see like, how the sort of everyone in the world, everyone in the it's set in like, the last day of the tour, it's set in like the, the Denver Broncos stadium. It's like they're doing a halftime walk, they're doing a halftime show, and you see how everyone's like you know congratulating for their for their service, but no one wants to like you know acknowledge what they're doing. Mm. You know, or no one wants to help them in any way. You know, it's that it's that kind of like how do you deal with your heroes when they come home? Yeah, you also get into the whole PTSD thing as well. That's a film worth making. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's never, it's very rarely made. Oh, uh-huh. and yeah. um, it was odd because at the time when it came out, it was shot at Lee because obviously Ang Lee is Ang Lee. He shot it in that really high um, vid rate. You know, the one that yeah. um, Jackson used at one point. Yeah, that, like I wasn't one. Wasn't a fan of it at all. To no, be honest, I like Yeah, and when you do that, it means no one can watch it because only like two cinemas in the whole country yeah. actually show it in that. So it got like a minor release over here. It's genuinely worth watching because it does some weird stuff. It's got a very odd cast, like Vin Diesel's in it, as is Steve Martin. What? As is, um, <laughs> is Steve Martin playing a banjo? He is not playing a banjo. He plays the owner of the Dallas of the Denver Broncos. He's in a suit. Up. He's, it's not he's, he's stone. Everyone does no. There's not much. There's not much comedy in this at all. No. Uh, as you would expect, <laughs> you know. Well, I'm expecting Steve Martin just sort of apropos of nothing with the banjo. Yeah. No. PTSD does not lend, its, lend itself well to you know comedy. Well, um, but um, yeah, it's 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 one of the films like, like I, I watched it once. I feel like I do want to watch it again to see if there's something else I get from it. I like Angley. I like Angley's a director. He's a definite filmmaker of oh, the yeah. highest order, oh, yeah. and he'll do things that he wants to do. Yeah, not, well, that that's why he's interesting. Even yeah. if every not everything works, and there's a lot of missteps. Yeah, in his filmography, you go through and you go, okay, that was a masterpiece. That was brilliant. He's making English classics, sensibility classics. Yeah, what the hell, and then. You'll go off and do the Hulk in your... And I like that. I mean, people didn't like the Hulk, but Hulk is a comic book movie. There's a lot to like. There's a comic book film there, and that's the thing. I agree, I agree. It's more the casting that was the issue rather than directing, I would say. Yeah, the style and the tone of it, that's what it should be. Totally agree, totally agree. Same when he done, um, this one he done recently as well, Life of Pi. Not a huge fan of the story itself, I didn't really buy into it, but it looks visually freaking awesome. Not many films look that good. No. As Life of Pi. I've read the book. (laughs) I thought the book was one of the most overrated 
books I've ever read to be honest yeah. I read it and I wasn't engaged in the story that much it's well written but I didn't get it but in terms of creating exactly in my mind's eye what I had of Life and Pi yeah. was exactly what what I had with regards to the film it was just a glistening beaming look into my mind's eye of what that what that book represented so it got kind of unfairly it was critically it acclaimed best, wasn't it it got in best director though that's good yeah did it yeah I take it back get it well stum- done Ali get it a <laughs> good looking film that's the thing it's maybe only... just the yeah did it get best director I'm 90% sure it got best director did it? yeah Jesus, it one, that. One, <laughs> of the few, one of the few films that actually looked good in 3D. No, it, it looked stunning. Um, so yeah, so Billy Lane's long halftime walk, worth a watch. They need to, I mean, he, he's, he's, like he's, he's gone about his way to just create as much antipathy for that film as possible. The worst title ever, he's done it in a ridiculous format that nobody can fucking see it. Ang Lee, get your shit together, yeah. get a good title. I mean, the, the studio must be tearing their hair out. I think, again, I think it's one of the things they hope the name named on the film will sell it in some way. You know, like Ang Lee will sell yeah. a film to a certain it audience. Would, it would, as soon as I heard that he directed it, I'd go, I'll watch yeah. that. But if I heard that, saw that title, but it, like, but it didn't look cheap. So I imagine that film's cost money to make, mm-hmm. and it's probably not made his money back. Which is a shame because like, he has to do something. He Maybe. tends to wait until the time's right for him to make a film. Yeah. And, and he goes with it. But yeah, that's something I've watched at home over the last like week. I've been busy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I watched, watched seventy six films. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a few things. Um, at the cinema, the only things I've seen this week was the Snowman, which we discussed last week. Um, and I'm not going to touch on it much. I want to say it's, 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 it's awful. Yeah, I mean, I I love Fastbender, and he seems to be on a a, a downward spiral. Yeah, just absolutely sabotage his career. All yeah. I can assume is that he is on some kind of Joaquin Phoenix style in joke into his own career. Yeah. So every role. Is him being terrible? Yeah. And then ten years time ago, it was just one big role. Yeah. He's been a terrible actor. Absolutely. Yeah. Or um, he killed the real Michael Fassbender. But I can't really blame him because he's probably going to. Thought it was a live action version of, of the Snowman. So with Michael Fassbender, <laughs> which would have been better in the titular role. Yeah, it would have been better. Um, this is <laughs> it's awful. It's disjointed. The finale is one of the worst finales I've ever seen in a movie. Really? Like, generally, just one of the most ridiculously stupid. And going, that is, you sold me two hours. And oh. that's the shit you end it on. That is like, oh, it was so awful. Isn't there a legendary moment? Already, it's becoming a bit of an ironic classic. Where I, I don't know fully, but <laughs> uh, Fastbender looks at the snowman. Yeah. And then he turns away, and then he looks again and raises his eyebrows yeah. and say, "You've done it, snowman." Not quite that level. But he has like long panning shots of the snowman. He goes, "Snowman's not scary. Like it's not really creepy. It has people have been comparing it to Clue." Okay. That kind of level of like, in maybe twenty years' time, we'll be watching this cinema like laughing at his genius. I don't think it will be. I think it's just going to. It's just a bad film. It's just a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It's not even got a camp catch value. You go like it's so no, bad. It's, it's good. no room. You know, it's not. No room. That's what I'm thinking of. Room, yeah, not clue. Yeah. Room. No, I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. It's just, a, just, a, just an awful movie. It's a bad movie and a real waste of time. And like I said, it's only been heavily promoted, like here, not in Britain, not in America, but it's been promoted here and just fell miserably. Joe Nesbo is probably in the top three or four selling novelists in the world well this, this is the sort of character that he wanted I think to try and make a, like a universe out of he's like sort of the one who exists constantly <laughs> I think that's dead now yeah I don't think that's going to happen uh, fast by the needs to retreat into the shadows have a word of Steve McQueen and just go back to doing an indie flick and do just a couple indies get yourself back get his confidence back yes and then before you pick something big again just run it by a few people and then just start doing bad Irish accents with Magneto again yeah you're fine in fact, in fact like, he would probably be able to sign off of X-Men I think he might need 
X-Men now. Something that he knows inside out, just to get... And even if, it, even if it is bad, it'll still make a, like 800 million bucks at the cinema, yeah. you know, because like, it's guaranteed a hit, even if it's shit. So I think he needs that. But yeah, so that something. One. He's on a bad run. So I that like one, as well. not a fan of it. Two out of ten for myself. I think Barry gave it four out of ten last week. Two is yeah, uh, two is staving awful. Um, <coughs> one new film I saw last week was um, Breathe, which is directed by Andy Serkis. Yeah, Serkis's directorial debut. Yeah, he was supposed to do Jungle Book, but then he sort of actually went on the back burner now because of how good or how successful the remake by John Favreau was. Really good. Though. Jungle Book's really in one of those public domain books. So he can do Jungle Book as long as he doesn't call the bear blue. It's almost like an old folk song. Nobody uh-huh. really owns it. Yeah, such, as long as he doesn't yeah. start singing as if he do that, like um, Bill Necessity and like that, yeah. and just does the actual Kipling novel, then okay. anyone can do Jungle Book. But he's doing, he's more doing that level of Jungle Book. He's doing sort of the... It's too soon to be doing that, I think. Well, they should, they should them both concurrently at the same time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, seem, doesn't and seem necessary, does doesn't it? Seem, and that's it seems like that will fail. With dueling, you know, dueling films of Jungle Book, we really need, they really need Jungle Book. more no, Jungle Book. No, we don't. The original is still... The original is fine. The remake is okay. I'm not... I'm not major... I mean, I liked a lot of it, but it yeah. wasn't... It's not better than the original. No one near. No one near. But uh, it did a much better job than I thought it would. Yeah. It was, but it was one of them I've seen it now. And I, I, the first one I'm going to watch with my kids... Uh, yeah, like I say, if I had kids, I would watch the cartoon before I ever watched absolutely. the live action uh, version. Absolutely, yeah. I think, like, I think the cartoon's got far more charm and far more loving uh, than the yeah. new one has. you know, casual, hidden racism. Ka- yes, I mean, not Which hidden something, just yeah. openly upfront racism yeah, yeah, yeah. most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the 30s, it's fine. Mm. No, so the new one didn't have any of the elephants in it, which really annoyed me. That was annoying. That kind of like, I like to see the Don Patrol kicking ass. Yeah. Um, anyway. Circus. Circus Breathe is about, it's sort of, not the first guy to get polio, because maybe with polio, but it's the first guy who got polio, who didn't then live in a bed, paralysed, not doing anything. That's the main point. He starts, he basically invents a life, or with help of friends, invents wheelchairs and things like that, help him get out and about and actually live some semblance of a normal life. Um, it's got Andrew Garfield in it, he's playing the titular man, polio man. Um, Claire Foy from, That's the, his title in the from the Crown <laughs> plays I haven't him. seen that. Yeah. I've not seen it either, but apparently it's very good. She's oh, very good in it. Yeah. Um, and she plays his wife. You've also got Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. Um, he's, I, I was actually going to say from Paddington. Paddington. Just your everyman posher. Now. Yeah, basically, yeah, he's sort of like almost the. the the likeable Hugh Grant. Monuments man as well. Yeah, 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 he's, the, he's the likeable Hugh, Hugh Grant. Grant. Yeah. Um, and also Tom Hollander playing a dual role, which was really odd to see in this sort of low budget indie film. I think it was, I think it was literally just Andy Serkis showing off a little bit like what he could do. But he, it's all made through his like, I studio. I know that. What? <laughs> yeah, he plays it. Tom Hollander playing brothers. He, but yeah. At one Why? Point, he's going for Army Hammer. Why? Ah, and he does like at one point. He that seems a, grossly unnecessary. It, it totally seems completely <laughs> unnecessary. Is it indie? Romantic comedy, yeah, or romantic rom com sort of like poignant drama, drama yeah, yeah, but that why? comedy, yeah. But at one point, even does a like a barbershop duet with, with himself, <laughs> which <laughs> give him some credit. Hollander was like, that's bravo to him for doing so because that's like that must be tough to do. Um, but I always find it really weird when you know, like, so, like for example, when I watched um, the social network, I didn't know Army Hammer was didn't have a twin at the time. Do you not? No, I didn't know this. I didn't know who Amman was at that point. So when I was watching, I assumed there was like it was like a sister sister. Seven years ago, isn't it? Two thousand ten. Yeah. To be fair, we didn't we didn't know Amman. So I assumed it was just 
I just read an article beforehand and I thought, oh yeah. I hadn't, so I used to assume it was Army Hammer acting next to you, brother, which to mm. me would make sense, you know, like sister, sister style or something like that, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like that kind of thing. Nice reference, yeah. So I didn't know it was him. Tear and Tamara, yeah. Tear and Tamara, yeah. I didn't actually know it wasn't thing. Oh, if I know going that's a really good performance. But it didn't annoy me at the time. When I know it, it's not... It annoys me more now. Legend was a hard watch for Yeah, some exactly, because you know it's, it's, you know it's him again he's acting against himself and it, 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 it takes, takes you out of it film. you're yeah, going yeah. that's impressive but, I know but you know there's a green screen there and mm. you know that's a painstaking process and you know that's the same guy you can appreciate the art of it but you just know you're not on set at the same time so your reaction to whatever you're saying is pre-planned and there's no yeah. there's no spontaneity in um, the response mate I completely agree and for me as admirable as those performances have been that's something that needs to die now. Yeah, there's <laughs> so no need for it there's now. There's no need, it isn't essential. Uh-uh. It isn't essential at all. It's almost just a show off. I'd rather you just have a dude who looks a little bit like him. It's oh, fine. Yeah, this is my brother. I mean, and we've had films recently where like, two people who are playing brothers, you go, I've had, I watched Geostorm, you had Gerard Butler and Jim Sturgis playing brothers, who look nothing alike, mm-hmm. and they go like, fair enough, the brothers. Well, that it's, that it's film done. isn't necessarily founded in realism. <laughs> in <any laughs> I know that, but you don't need to be really, you know, Dan DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger played brothers at one well, point. They look very similar. Yeah, like, yeah, so you don't need to look like something to be a brother. Just say they're brothers, and that's true. I'll, I'll just go with, with, with of that. Anyway, <laughs> the film itself, it's it's very solid stuff. It's it's well directed. It looks really pretty. Like Seppis has worked behind the best. He knows who's Oscar buzz worthy. I think it's probably trying too hard for that. It felt like it was um, Garfield a little bit going for the performance that would get him an Oscar. I like Garfield. I like Garfield a lot, and I'm not criticising mm-hmm. because I think he's a great actor, or going to be a great actor. Um, but it did feel a little bit like he was sort of swinging for the Oscar part of it. Does he? Does it feel like he's trying to reining the shackles of Spider-Man off him, or because he was kind of in that domain anyway before Spider-Man? What you know, like that kind of not quite art house, but that yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of, you know, like Never Let Me Go films like that. Um, um, Axel Ridge even that kind of but that I mean Spider-Man he wasn't it's not like Spider-Man was forced upon him he wanted to do it majorly yeah he's, he's ambitious a, he's a he's massive ambitious. he's a massive fan of the camp as well he wanted it to work and he wasn't a bad Spider-Man you think no he's a good Spider-Man bad Peter Parker I would say you know, far too attractive to Peter Parker mm. Peter Parker should not be getting laid mm. at that age no. he should not be looking like he could be not from what the fuck yeah. no way um, yeah that's a good point he's really good in it he's not really good he's, he's he, fine he lends itself more to this genre of film I think yeah Um it's, it, to me, it felt like bank holiday viewing. Right. You know, it's something going on a Monday afternoon. Yeah. And your granny will love it. Because <laughs> there's nothing offensive in it whatsoever. No. Um, and that's maybe the problem is that there's nothing really sort of. There's like, no edge. There's no edge. Like, you know, this is a horrible disease. And you don't really. The worst you see of. You think there'd be a bit more to kind of offset the lovely intentions of him. There'd be some reality oh. of that grim. There's nothing there. <laughs> like, like, all you get is that she loves him, he loves her, and that's totally fine. And that's fine. The only thing, the only thing you see difficult with her life is at one point she's got to clean out his piss pot. That's pretty much the level of like. That's well, that's. I really have a after now. Yeah, you know, just out of laziness. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does get a little bit darker towards the end. Um, there's a sort of the darkness to it, but it's still pretty. It's not dark. It's more grey than dark. It's it's uh, an eighteen subject dealt with in a universal manner. Very much so, yeah. yeah. There's nothing in it you go like. Which is Oscars esque, isn't it? That's what it feels like it's going for. But I what about Circus though? Has he done a good job? Is it a director debut? Directs it fine. There's nothing bad with the direction. It looks pretty. It looks good. Yeah. It looks. He showed a few tricks. Also doing thing with the the, um, the actor playing the same role, so I should be sure you can handle that kind of stuff. Tells the story relatively fine. You know, there's no issue. Pacing's okay. Pacing's okay. fine. Only lasts about an hour and 40, I think, so it's pretty well come in under that. He's a man who is, of course, 
you've had the debate yourself on Three Beers and Movie with Mackay and is he a great actor is he not is he an imitator yeah. is he a great performance artist so for him to try and break clean of that and become a director is a bold move really. yeah it is but you've got to think of who's worked with as well he's worked with some of the best so that's what I'm thinking he's visual all, artist he knows yeah. what he's doing and, he, and it's, like, it's all come from his Imaginarium Studios where it sort of has like workshop studio where it's like people you know that's the ideas are coming from so he obviously wants to move into this probably more than he does of the acting thing and he's a good actor as well Pyrrhus well I, I loved him in um, The Ian Jury he's great in that film yeah. I don't really like biopics I think they're, he's, they're insipid guff but he was fantastic he's that. a really he has a genuinely good he's good got actor. charisma uh, uh-huh. I'm looking at that I actually get a bit annoyed seeing him in these uh, these proto golem roles because, because yeah. yes they're admirable but I think you, I genuinely think you could get any good actor in doing that yeah and that sounds brutal Mackay would he would hate me for saying that yeah 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 but I think you could get maybe not to the same degree as him but you could get a lot of people in to do that role then you get the idea of like animation over like yeah. performance and stuff like yes. that yes yeah. but I don't know if many people could play Ian Jury no, in the I, same manner because he, he had a real love for that character uh-huh. he, a, and a real reverence and for him shame, so that I came across and I, I want him to do more just be an actor be an actor yeah, yeah definitely he probably wants to he's probably been pigeonholed I don't know, it seems like now, because not only did he direct this, he produced the film last week that we talked about called uh, The Ritual. Yes. He was the producer yeah. of that film. So he obviously seems maybe getting more into it. He, want, he maybe wants to get more behind the camera mm. and get the studio running on and stuff like that. So maybe that's where, he's, where he sees his life like, going more towards. I mean, that, that, that's interesting. It's, a, it's not a likely debut either, I don't think. Like I, think. I think Jungle Book is probably more the debut that he maybe yes. wanted to do. That, that seems more making a splash. Yeah. But this is probably a better debut because it shows a bit more, it shows technically very good, very solid. And who knows something? That's the kind of film that we maybe he would do, and then like sort of a bit Marvel might look at it and go, you know what? He can handle a camera. He can do yeah, shit like that. Yeah. Let's throw something at him. He does. Well. He's already in the Marvel universe yeah, and stuff like that. He's in the universe. You get him in. So yeah, they can yeah. easily get him that. You know, it's yeah. that, you know, they don't go for directors who do the big budget thing a lot of time. It's somebody who's no. done something smaller, and you can see that's the that's the role model now. They go for someone who's fairly cheap who can handle a camera, basically, uh-huh. who's got a bit of indie credential. Exactly. And we can sack him off if he fucks it up, it's okay. We'll still make 800 exactly. million. It's fine. <laughs> if as long as he can shoot Thor with his top off, that's yes, fine. he can go with that. So, I mean, it, like, that's where he could definitely go with. Um, but yeah, in itself, not a bad film, not a great film, just a, a watchable, nice watch like the granny like Nice it. plodding Sunday evening watch. Yeah, 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. It, which is totally passable. fine. Totally passable. Last one, it's not in the cinema, but it was on TV, and I want to talk about it with Spielberg. Yeah, um, man, I, I really wanted to see it, but um, yeah, it didn't happen. Being a parent in your way. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. we won't go to the ends and now, no, but my God. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but it, it looks I'm fantastic, not, man. I won't ruin it, just, you know what it's about. It's directed by Susan Lacey, who not directed anything really before, but she produced the Janis Joplin documentary. It was stunning. Little Girl Blue. Little Girl Blue was yeah, stunning. Very good. Um, and this, it, it's two, I didn't know that. Right, okay. Spielberg, it's two and a half hours long, and it covers pretty much everything apart from, I counted two films. It didn't touch on. Terminal. Terminal didn't touch on that. Good. You think it's the one misstep? One. Yeah. What else? Always. Wow. It's a bit of shame because I like always a lot. I'm okay with always. I'm not okay with Terminal. No, fair enough. You know, I'm the same as yourself. I worship at the altar of Spielberg, but I have real problems with the Terminal. But I don't really have many problems with other films. No. It's always is. Nice, it's like it's nice again. Yeah. Always, I put in the same world with Breathe. It's sort of it's nice, it's watchable, it's yeah, fine. It's, it's offensive, no, always. exactly. It's charming. Mm. Um, it, it comes up with his whole career pretty much from when he was a young boy all the way up. You hear the legends of him, you know, 
sneaking onto the sets and all that kind of stuff and just um, and you get, but more, more important than that, everyone knows those stories, you get to see the stuff with his family you know, you see the story about him, like this really interesting story about him his parents basically, the, the story of a parent's marriage so much of his filmmaking kind and of comes from the corrosive nature of his parents when, relationship when you start seeing what, when you hear what his parents, what happened with his parents um, and their relationship a lot of like hundreds of stuff in the film now makes sense why so many had filmed are one parent families yeah you know it's very it's always there's always a parent missing yeah, in some way strong parent and that nature of friendship really comes to the fore yeah. because that is the surrogate family yeah exactly that comes in you know so you start seeing stuff like that you, it's and also what's really good about it, I mean, the, the people who are talking on it are like you know the best of the best you've got like guys like Coppola talking on it you've got um yeah, just, just, yeah, just talking on it a touch with um the Palmer's on it. Yeah. You get JJ on it as well. You get like you know DiCaprio's on it. Hanks is on it. You know the best of the best. You get John Williams on it as well. It's nice to actually appreciate him because mm. we all do, and we take him for granted. All filmmakers. He's, you know, he's, in film. he's in his seventies now. Yeah, and it, it's one of them. He won't be. It's morbid. Even despite this documentary being made, he won't be fully appreciated until he's died because he's the probably the only director who is. Blockbuster and auteur in the same breath. But that's the thing that I got from the documentary. This is really interesting. You'll get how he's still not seen as an, an auteur director. That's insane. most critics. That's insane. That's yeah. insane. We could re- we could reel off We're later eventually when we fucking get to it. <laughs> We're doing our top ten films of all time, and you and I could have easily done ten. Of Spielberg, yeah. easily. But he's still pretty much. And a lot of them could be auteur films. Yeah. And I think it depends on mood you're in with Spielberg. Are you going to watch ET? Are you going to watch Munich? Yeah. What the hell? Are you going to watch Schindler's List? Oh, Jurassic, I mean, just, oh, Jurassic the guy done Schindler's List and Jurassic Park in the same year, which doesn't make it's, it's no one no. can do that now. So that's yeah, year. same year. What? Yeah, but both in the same year, went from one to the other and done both of them at the same time. That's the best he was prepping Schindler's List on the set of Jurassic Park, and then shot them both in the same twelve I mean, months. That, if that isn't genius, what yeah, is exactly that? Yeah. that? Not just the the quality of work that was produced, but the the sheer dichotomy between oh, the worlds films, yeah, totally. and the volume of work. Yeah. They are two colossal jobs. Well, Some people would take four years out after doing exactly. either of them. Yeah. It's and that's what's really nuts when you watch a documentary of how much people don't appreciate what he did beyond just being the big budget making the box office successes. So the created box office, that's why. Yeah. I don't know. But definitely, like you've got it taped at home. If you've got it taped at home, somebody watch it because it's absolutely fantastic. No, I, I will, mate. I'm and hopefully, comes out in DVD or Blu-ray. I'd like to have it. One of the ones I actually quite like to have. Is he talking stored. a bit on it? Yeah, and that's what's nice. It's not just um, like he's, he's a selfless dude. You know, he's he's self-effacing. He doesn't really big himself up. No, he doesn't. And but what's it's not like old interviews that just sort of rehashed and put together. It's he's, he's had a couple of he's, he's a couple of sit-down interviews he's had with, I'm assuming with Susan Lacey and he's got stuff on camera, um, which is rare because he doesn't do much like that kind of thing. You don't know much about his, like, his process or like That's that. That's a great thing though in a sense yeah. though because it literally is a case of, um, one of my favourite writers, Bukowski said, I don't talk about my life, read my books if yeah. you want to know my life. You know, so, and I'm sure lots of people said different variants on that theme. You watch Spielberg's films and you know him. Oh. That is him. But, but then get- when you have a bit of context, it improves the films it improves your knowledge of the man and it also gives a bit more substance to who he actually yeah. was but absolutely so if you get a chance to watch it watch no, definitely it every man. chance you can and I hope like, I hope it comes out in Blu-ray so I can actually sit and watch it again and again and again cause what's it in aid of? is there any reason for it or is it just it's just been made because it seems like it's almost like, it's almost like the first person has the balls to go 
I don't mind a documentary on you, he's meant. He's yeah. a personable guy, he'd probably be alright, wouldn't he, about it? I don't know, he's, 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 never, done like a, he's never done like a, a commentary track or anything like that. So well, he never does, does he? Maybe he's not that kind of guy. Also, I think what you get from this documentary is a busy fucker. He's working all the fucking yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. He's making Jurassic Park and showing us <laughs> this the same year. That guy's not got any time. Right, yeah, so <laughs> if he's not doing this, he's like, oh, he's not directed anything from his He's producing he's everything. Producing well. so yeah. much, and he seems to put a hands on, but just like he wants to be on set. Because well, he loves film. film he yeah. lives film. Film, yeah. yeah. He's also a decent dog, man. He's got about 20 grandchildren or something like that, so he's always enjoying life with them. I love Spielberg. And we also, you know, so he's, he's a busy guy, he's no one's really had the opportunity, and I think maybe Susan Lacey is the sort of person who maybe would get attention, you know, because of what she'd done with Janis Joplin, maybe I think she's been around producing World and Rock Ventura for a long time with HBO and things like that. And she, equally, she's not an intimidating name who's trying to make a make some kind uh, of... A name for herself. She's she's doing it purely for the art, which is something that he would appreciate as well. Uh-huh, exactly, and, it yeah. seems, and also I think, I think HBO maybe made it a little bit better as well. With that, it's more. It's not some big event in the cinema. It's just it's something nice on television. People who can want to watch it and go and find it. Yeah, I think he enjoyed that. One night only. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. But get back good. to watching movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think it has which is very Spielberg. Really. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So if you, I would give it like ten out of ten. It's a fantastic documentary. Um, I'm excited um, about watching that. But now we're going to do something that's completely self-indulgent. Like most seldom thing we can probably do is because we don't talk about movies that much together of our favourites, so we're going to try and do a top ten. Have you time? You've done a lot of drafts on this. Oh, that's ridiculous! I, I've I've gone for so many different variants. I've done the ten. You end up in critic head. Did I? I mean, actually, about, about four months ago, you put a list together. Was yeah, it roughly yeah, about four it's months ago. About four months ago, <laughs> before we before we knew we'd have this get together. Yeah. And uh, there's so many drafts. I've been getting people involved from work and. I had a spreadsheet it was getting out of hand and I was like oh maybe I implemented different rules like one director one film and stuff like that and then it, it just got to a stage where I had so many I've got I've got about five different tens okay <laughs> but the ten I have now you're still in my ten now the ten I have now would liably change at any moment yep. it's, it's the ten films that at different moments in my life have knocked me for six cool have not it made me feel like film is a such a powerful worthwhile art form mm-hmm. I just feel inv- reinvigorated by everything whether I want to watch that film again or I want to watch other films of that ilk or yep. I just feel invigorated by it I, I, or anything of that nature that's what I've gone for I've gone for those 10 films and it, there are various stages of my life um, and they're my 10 so how about you how did you find it difficult I set three rows for myself okay. which was no director's cut special editions like it no double entry, so no director twice. Oh, did you? And nothing, from the, nothing from the past ten years. I broke two of the three. <laughs> so um, the only one, the only one I would adhere to is no director's cuts. Okay. Which knocked out a couple of films that we'd like to put in, but yeah, I yeah, can, I can yeah, put in. We, we, we can talk about some films that didn't make the cut as well. You know, yeah, like yeah. for example, almost famous is the one I want to put in. Yeah, but I, you I said that to me before, and but, that that nearly made my final ten. But maybe. to me, the definitive version of that is untitled, which and is I the, haven't seen them. And yet, the the version, the cinema version, I was probably maybe thirteen yeah. for me out of my ten. Um, also, the abyss doesn't make it in for the same reason. What a film! Because the director's cut is a is a great version. It, it pisses all over the original, actually, yeah, which makes, is a great film anyway. Because, yeah, exactly. That's the difference. Mm. It's a great movie. This actually adds so much more to the movie. Yeah, yeah, Most yeah. directors cut, from my opinion, don't add anything to the film. It's just it's just it's indulgent stuff. whimsy. There's a reason why it was cut in the first yeah, place. The director's know when to cut. Yeah. Yeah. But the best is like also it seemed like a studio film that had been cut down for like you know, timing reasons to make it more palpable to yeah. an audience. And you feel like if Cameron did it full, 
director's cut it would be seven hours probably long. yeah probably never stop I'd probably still never be watching it now. Yeah. Um, Ed Harris is like this is a live feed yeah <laughs> did you have any rules <laughs> apart from the double entry one did you have um, the only rules really I, I broke them again I mean I tried to do genre I tried to do one from each rather yeah than like, a kind of vague genre and then it, it get into the realms of well, actually, is that a horror or oh, sci-fi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was just that it got out of control. But I, I didn't make many rules. I didn't. I deliberately didn't include any film um, from 2010 onwards, really. Probably earlier, actually. But I, I just didn't. Uh, ten year, like yourself, I just there were a couple that could have made the cut. There were a couple, um, but it just didn't feel right. I think longevity is key if you're talking about the best films of all time because they are films you've watched a million times and they get better with age. Yeah. So. Right, start. You can go. Since you're on guest, you can go number ten. You start first. Oh, that's so yeah, kind. you go first. So kind. We're running yes. out of beer though, so I'll do. We'll this. I'll, I'll, go, yeah. I'll go for the beer run. Okay. Well, I'm not sure if you're a fan of this film, but I I really love it. It's this is a Wes Anderson film, is it? Uh, not no, yet. no. <laughs> there will be Wes Anderson. Well, yeah, yeah. I figured it would no, be. Yeah. I don't know if you're a fan. It's okay. it's it's a film that the soundtrack is as famous as the film itself. But actually, for me, the real star of the film is the dialogue. And it's just uh, from somebody who, who attempts to be a rudimentary writer. I just every time I watch this film, I'm, I'm just in awe and of the the screenplay, the delivery, everything about it, the atmosphere, the tension, and the fact that this became the first quintessential blockbuster. But I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's Jaws. So I'm annoyed uh, it's at number ten, but yes, Jaws. No, no, there's no order to this, is there? I'm just going random. I'm going order. <gasps> I didn't know that. Oh, right. well, you changed everything. I haven't done the order. Yeah, they're okay. not, they're not, I'm thinking it's just 10 to 10. No, to I nine. can't be putting Jaws at 10. No, I'm going to say you can't put Jaws at 10. I was just doing that to wind you up. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jaws is. It's It, it created the blockbuster. Yeah, it's genuinely. It's, it's, to, like, it's going to be on my list. You probably know where it is on my list by my yeah, reaction there. I know, um, I know. Jaws is a perfect movie from no, start it, to finish. It is undou- undoubtedly. It doesn't diminish. It gets better with every viewing. Yeah. And when you're looking at a film, like my big issue with any film these days is the the length of the film and how much fat is on a film and how much you go you could easily take twenty minutes, half hour off that film and make it a better film. Jo- every scene in Jaws is pivotal. There's not a single scene in Jaws is is fat. The scene is there for a reason. Yeah. Every scene is there for a reason, and you feel as if you watch a director's cut, you'd go, yeah, okay, I'm glad I saw the cinematic release because yeah, it, it feels as if. Spielberg had such an incredible vision for everything there and it, it feels as if also I'm rambling now but also it's such an effects heavy film in theory but, but it really not, isn't not at all and it really isn't everyone's mind it is it's, yeah but and it I isn't if you know it about the film, you know like the shot didn't work on the first days, and exactly. they say, like, you know can't. all those stories. And it would have been a, it would have been a bad film if it had what? It would have, it, it would have been, been yeah. it would have been down like a sort of almost sci-fi movie type point that, where it's yeah. just the shark is like, making the shark like non-existent is so much better than Absolutely. having it on screen. It's, it's like I might once you must think one Mel said on like Alien for example, you don't see the Alien in Alien for about. Got like an hour in the film, apart from the <laughs> chest yeah, buster, yeah. everything else is sort of. And it's that tension, it's that catch oh. and release, and that's everything. That's what builds up, and it's it's just a stunning piece of artistry. Yeah, and it's where we aforementioned conversation about auteur, blockbuster heavy, cine, cinephile. It, it is both of those things, and it will be dismissed as a dunna, 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 yeah. that, that kind of proto horror. Yeah, blockbuster. Everyone go there. Obviously, Jaws. Obviously, Jaws. And it became that kind of word of mouth, massive hit. And that's what Spielberg needed as a shot on the arm. But 
it's just a masterpiece. <coughs> it, is, it, it should be appreciated on an artistic level so much more. Absolutely, yeah, because it, it does so much more than just, just being a scary film. No, uh, for me, it's... It, I, would watch that, I would think that was a, an indie film. Ah, because like, the best thing in that film isn't the shark attack. The best thing in that film has been three guys sitting in a boat talking to each other about the past. Well, we talked about this Yeah, yeah, it's like the greatest scene... One it's of, probably the greatest scene of all time in, yeah. in cinema history. Um, it's... And it's a play. It's yeah, just it's, a play. Yeah. But he directs it with such confidence for for an incredibly young man. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's doing from quite a pulpy piece of source material from what I've yeah, read. Yeah, very much so. I've yeah, read yeah. it. No, very pulpy. Yeah, yeah, very pulpy. I've yeah. read it. Um, disposable. Disposable. But he has created something for the Beyond ages. that, yeah. Beyond that. Just like, and even in that scene, it's a, a subtle moment when you see... Um, Brody looking at you when they're talking about the wounds and Brody looks at his like he lifts his shirt up and he looks at something that's happened but it's never mentioned again yeah. and like any other director makes that film now there'll be like a 20 minute I'm cutaway wrong. scene of of what that was backstory how yeah of like how it happened like how, no. it would probably, the film would probably even start with Brody in New York yeah. getting shot at some yeah. point at that point he life goes right we're moving to Amity now we know Brody oh my god yeah. we're on board but it's like no we'll leave that hanging yeah. you don't in need the to same manner that you don't see the beast for a while Yeah, it's is less is more uh-huh. and that is incredible restraint and incredible confidence as a filmmaker it's it's a masterpiece so Jaws is in there I didn't do this in top 10 so I will try and rectify right, that top 10. from now on oh, yeah. so yeah you go what's 10 uh, my, ten, my 10 is it's a film from 1953 bloody hell you're yeah. absolute hipster what, I am it's a 12 hipster. angry men it's not 12 angry men it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's a film called World of Worlds it's the original oh yeah okay film. yeah fantastic we it's, it's hard to go about like this film so much because I know it's a bit hokey looking the effects on it but I have seen it it's, it it is a bit hokey it is a bit hokey but it hit me, like, I saw this film right about the time I saw Independence Day like I was really hooked on anything Alien Invasion um, so my dad had shown me World of the Worlds and he, my dad was really very much into stuff like um, the he was very like, into all the Sinbad stuff and all the sort of what's it called Harryhausen stuff yeah. which I wasn't I didn't really get that so much I wasn't really a huge fan of it when yeah. I was a kid um, I kind of like I can appreciate it now more for the film, the artist around that actually the film it was. So when he showed me this one, I'm thinking I don't want to see it. It's going to be something that's not going to do it for me. But number one, it pretty much terrified the hell out of me because even when they come out the, the shell, I find it, it I find it really scary. Oh, it is scary. Uh huh. It no, it is scary. And uh, I, I I think it's considering it's rudimentary maths. Sixty odd 60 years, years old. Yeah, it stands up, man. It does stand up. It, it sounds like up. it's a really crack film, and it's a film that if I, it's on TV, I have to watch it, which is yeah, one of the things yeah. I put on my list. The reason I had to, like, something I had to watch was on television. Um, Who directed it? A guy called Byron Haskin. Did, I don't think he done much. I, I, he did do other stuff, but I'm really not aware of his work. To be honest, I can't really pretend to know his work. It was a radio play. Awesome Wells, wasn't it? Really? Oh, it was a book first. Book, and then Awesome Wells did the, the yeah, famous Radio Four. Play. Was, that, was this before? The no, the, the play came first, and that was one okay. that caused mass panic. Yeah. Right. And then this film came out um, in fifty. So I've heard the radio play, yeah. that stentorian voice by Wells just oh. lends itself brutally. Yeah. You imagine hearing that on the radio. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it really is creepy, and yeah. it totally make you want to Back think. Back then as well. Yeah, you know? when there's no. We're not desensitized to everything like we are now. Probably know? not. Yeah, exactly. And the yeah. people world actually did believe it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to say about this film. Other than fact, I saw it at just the right age when it did. I'm making a massive impact on me. But that's what it's all about. It's yeah. films that resonate with you at a certain moment in time. Yeah. And what do you make of the remake? I like the remake. I do. Like I think the remake is really good. I think it's people good. have issues with the ending. The remake actually holds more in common with the book than I believe so. Yeah. Than this yeah. one does. This one's this one's quite lean. It's another I think it's another thirty five or thirty six. Mm. So it's quite it's quite a lean film. 
Um, there's a lot of stuff in the book that's not in this one. Like there's whole stuff with in the palace of the new one when ha- eh, not Hanks when Cruz and yeah. Robin's on the cellar. Mm-hmm. That's something that happens in the book between two different two characters as well. There's nothing like that really in this this version. No, there isn't. So that scene's kind of cut. It's a bit dark. You know, that film ends the guy basically killing somebody yeah. to try and keep his family safe. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I like the fact that this one and the Spielberg one ends the way the book should end, which is mm-hmm. not we don't defeat them by you know mass power. It's you know, gems essentially won the, the yeah, case for us. Yeah, did it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like I kind of like all I, I, I real thing for alien invasion movies. Yeah. And this one is one of the ones that I've watched it's a lot more. in the early fifties, man. There's. Like Earth vs. Flying Saucers, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. I like it veers on B-movie territory, but there's, there's real But usually they're making, a, intelligence they're making a bigger point as well. Uh, like exactly. It's mostly about you know either Red Scare or maybe making some sort of thing about yeah, yeah. You know, social politics or, or, yeah, or race politics. Soviet well. invasion. You yeah. know, there's, there's, it's holding up a mirror to society. That's exactly. what good sci-fi should be doing. Exactly. And that's, horror, actually. Sci-fi horror. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. yeah, that's well, a great show. I didn't expect you to go that. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll that's good. I, I really enjoy the first yeah. one. Well, so that was good. Okay, well, next one for you. Um, the next one for me, in my rudimentary, I haven't done an order to this, <laughs> uh, is uh, American Beauty. Oh, even now after from allegations, well, Spacey has ruined it with <laughs> yeah. his bloody lecherous pedo tendencies. Um, but there was always that intensity for Spacey that you would never obviously there were stories that came out around the time of the 90s in his heyday but there was that mystique that he maintained not just not just because of you know he wasn't on the cast in Seven and Uh not just because he was a bit of an oddball Mm. which was something to be admired and something is still to be admired uh, in in his performances but there was just something about Spacey that was unsettling and he, he ended up in a, in a weird mind space but in terms of American Beauty that's his most everyman performance it's um, almost his Tom Hanksian performance it is yeah. but he still has a real edge yeah, and you're still not quite sure whether you like him I don't like him in the film and you don't like him he's not an, not performance wise I, I don't like the character I think no. he's, yeah. but then this, but then he gives you like we talked earlier about the voices he still lends himself with some kind of empathy there you still understand his plight to a degree, it's very middle class. It's very first world problem, but at the same time, it's it's a man who has compromised himself for the fundamentals of the modern age yeah. in every sense. Everything is vapid. Everything is disposable. There is nothing worthwhile, and the things that are worthwhile have been cast aside. Kind of world hangdog weariness that is just it's something to behold. Um, killer soundtrack, really tragic. Uh, it's just one of those films that maybe wouldn't make my top 10 in terms of my top 10 films of all time in a separate list in terms of the films that are the best 10 that I've ever seen maybe Mm. not but in terms of the films that knocked me for 6 American Beauty definitely did I watched it and I came away buzzing yeah absolutely buzzing thinking I'm thinking something special's happened here and I'm thinking about it and I'm going to take this home with me Mm. Um, and Sam Mendes has nowhere near top of it in my opinion I mean, I'm a, lot, a big fan of Road to Perdition Road to Perdition is fantastic yeah, it's fantastic I'm a huge fan of that and film. Paul Newman elevates everything yeah. uh, I, I don't I don't think it's as good as American Beauty in terms of a masterful piece of work in term, in the fact that it, it resonates more with people but yeah. Road to Perdition is a great film yeah, yeah. that easily is two best films uh, I like a lot of Sam Mendes and stuff like Revolutionary Road is fantastic but it's so fucking bleak oh my god didn't go for that one as much Jesus um, it was 
truly, truly harrowing. Um, but no, I, I, there's so much to love about American Beauty. Uh, I, I just, I just have to have it on the list. Fair enough. Um, I'm not as big on it as yourself. No, um, I, that's fine. I appreciate it at the time. Um, I know his Oscars and soul quotes for that film. Embellish. He, apparently, he's <laughs> his sister is married to a Scottish guy who owns a bar in Saltcoats and somehow they've got the, the bar in Saltcoats either they had or has has Oscar behind the bar I will not try and add anything further to that because that <laughs> has to be true yeah, I'm, I'm, you are the king of the random yeah, random factoids the, I'm sure the fact that this, the brother-in-law played for okay, played for like Saltcoats Victoria or something like that like the, the local junior football team as well because a couple of times Spacey was at a game you know just sort of standing in the middle of nowhere just watching Saltcoats play like the ride just sort of this odd moment, you know. In retrospect, probably just eyeing up young boys. Possibly that could be the reason behind it, yes. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it doesn't really do it for me in the same way as for yourself, but I can appreciate why it's, it's on the list. It's a, it's a, it's a solidly good film. Um, for me, my number nine is the one I broke the first rule with, which is nothing for the last ten years. Um, and I put down Mad Max Fury Road. Ah, yeah. That's why you gave me the all-knowing wink. Yes. Um, I didn't want to put anything for the last 10 years in because again longevity is a huge thing you want to make sure a film will last you know the test of time but as this podcast shows I sit in a cinema a lot and I, and I can 90% of the time figure you out you end up jaded can't you jaded and I can figure out how shit is done like when I'm watching an action film I know what's, how things are done most of the time when I watch Mad Max Road, I have no fucking clue how anything yeah. how it was done like Miller's a madman when you find out like so like 90% of it is practical and 10% is CGI. Ah. I can see the CGI. It's the big windstorm, and then everything else you go like so. When they're travelling across the Tunisian desert with Tom Hanks dangling an inch off the ground, yet yeah, they, they, they drove across the Tunisian desert Tom with Tom Hanks off. Eh, not Tom Hanks. Tom Hardy. They did different films with Tom Hanks. Tom Hardy hanging on the ground. I'd like to see Tom Hanks. Hanks George <laughs> Miller. <Miller's film. laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so confused. <laughs> um, oh, you see a bit you know, like the pole vaulters jumping on the back of the thing in the you know, back of the the truck and. Like that's done for real. That's not CGI. That's yeah. not done by, you know, in a stunt room in somewhere in like LA for like with. It's done in the middle of Tunisian desert at high speed as well. It's plotless as well. It, it's a simple plot, but not in a. I don't mean that in a but, disparaging but way. It is. It's simplistic. It's simple. Yeah, but he, he's. It's all about the vision. Absolutely. That's one of the few. You could watch that film without it's, dialogue, and it would work the same way. It works as a silent movie. I saw it in color. I saw it in black and white in the cinema, and it yeah. still works immensely it is well. Unrelenting. It is. Just, it's a, it's it is. It is the greatest action film yeah, of all time. I think by that, a country mile already. Already that time of a couple of years or whatever it is yeah. has passed, and that's already cemented it. And I thought that watching it, but you think that's hyperbole. I've got that post cinema buzz. Yeah, but no, it, no. it is. Um, I think I saw. Four He's or five times the year it came out, and I watched it in DVD <sighs> a couple of times, and I watched it on black and white, and I, I cannot get enough of it. I, just, I think it's every time I watch it, I'm just breathless watching it. And you're just confused that this is the same guy who directed Babe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But also did direct Mad Max, so I'm okay with it. And Mad Max Thunder Road, uh, sorry, Road Warrior. So I know what he's, you know what he's doing. Well, yeah, yeah. So he seems like a waste of talent, though. Where's he been? He's making happy feet. He seems like a guy who just does his own thing, and he's quite. It's just maybe he's in a happy place, and then something bad dark. happens, and then he just. Yeah, his body just, work. His body <laughs> work is not big enough. It's a dark place. For what he's doing, he's older. He's like the same age as Spielberg, I think. Hmm. But he's done like you know a tenth of the film that Spielberg's done. It must take him like ten years to even conjure well, up that vision. He was supposedly doing Justice League at one point. Can you imagine that? And then the like the right. It'd be too weird. They wouldn't have. They no, wouldn't like it, would they? I don't think they'd go for it. 
because like supposed to be he had it'd be interesting it wouldn't be generic I think he had who he had Army Hammer as Batman and the girl from the girl the lady in Fury Road who's like on top of the the naked girl who's on top of the the tower when they first pull into the that's her official credit name she's married to an Aussie football player I know that but she was going to be Wonder Woman and right, that's, why okay. that's why she's in this film because they want to put her in something but yeah so he obviously wants to do what he wants to do and he, want, he doesn't want to do something until it's perfect like yeah. this storyboard this film is storyboarded to the nth degree he knew yeah. every shot before the film even he's, started he's got a bit of a Kubrickian madness to him yeah. I imagine he's probably made 75 films that we'll never see possibly yeah in his head yeah, and yeah written his, down his yeah. crazy mind but it is I will not dispute that like I, you know, I alluded to it beforehand about the rules and it didn't make the cut but that film blew me away in every every it, way in every way. possible way that the films that I mentioned as 10 did Absolutely. so I will not dispute you having no. in that at all mate at no. all. Um, next one for you next one for me um, would be um, certainly less high octane okay but uh, a, a beautiful sad poignant piece of filmmaking that I just love and I adore and I watch it a lot sideways so yeah fair enough yeah I love it I'm not the hugest fan of that film as you are. Um, Perhaps it's more my genre. Possibly, yes. Yeah, um, I love films that maybe err on the slant of indie without sounding like a pretentious twat. Yeah, more more kind of small scale in terms of their in terms of their focus, more character based and more kind of. You could argue films. uh, Certainly, we'll get to it later with two films that were probably highly controversial to be in this list. Uh, the films that are no- essentially about nothing, but for me, conversely, are about everything. Yeah, about yeah. human existence, about the human condition, about people that I just want to see, even if they're deeply flawed. Yeah. As Miles is, he's not a particularly good person. He's 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 a person who's been chewed up and spat out by the world. Mm. He's a highly intelligent, articulate man, a failed novelist, who's a rudimentary school teacher, English teacher, going through the classics, going through the motions in his life, single, and he goes on a um, a wine cruise slash stag yeah. with his hyper alpha best mate who just wants to shag everything that moves yeah. <laughs> apparently that was fine on the stag um, <coughs> played brilliantly by the Sandman from Spider-Man Thomas Hayden Chuck that's the man <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, they're real kind of um, yeah they're, they're a total odd couple but it works really well it's, it's, it's thoroughly sweet it's nothing less than scathing and it's it's honesty like there are times where it's painful to watch and you're just you're watching and you're visibly seeing and you know there's going to be something awful happening yeah uh, you can't stop it. It, it it doesn't Alexander Schmidt just doesn't uh, what's his name Alexander hey, Payne am I confusing about Schmidt you're about Schmidt about, yeah but I prefer the name Alexander Schmidt yeah it sounds yeah. like a, a Nazi author <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah it's just a real beauty behind it as well the way it's shot is, is lovely and lush but the the, the, the film itself is it, it demands uh, a continual rewatching for me and is, is very funny as well very yeah. funny I get it I mean, the one the pain film that I would probably watch the most would probably be um, Descendants yeah Descendants is really underrated I really it's I like low down on the critical reverie I like that one a lot more than like Sideways I don't know what yeah. it is about it that I just Descendants got me more Descendants certainly made me cry. Yeah. It was sadder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, overtly. Like, sideways now affects me. It's like a gut punch, but it, it takes a while for the punch to fucking reach me. Um, so, yeah, so it's. 
it, it was definitely sideways. Sorry, um, the same thing got me first of all rather than rather than this one. About uh, Schmidt, I thought was really good as well. Um, election, I think is fantastic. I don't know. I think we did an election. Actually, yeah, the election. Probably um, I might have read the election. Might be my favourite out of that one. Uh, yeah. Nebraska, really. Good. Sorry, I'm going to rephrase this. Nebraska is my favourite of all. He's done a lot of good films. Yes, I'm going to rephrase. I'm going to say Nebraska is my favourite. And now Brant, you Chuck and Larry. He wrote the first script. I didn't like that. He did not write something. He uh, was. He widely dismissed he he himself off, from He wanted off it, yeah. He, was yeah, trying he said the, the film bill, no resemblance to... The union rules wouldn't let him take it off apart, yeah. like that was the reason why he had to stay on The guild rules, yeah, that's why. He probably made more from that from Nebraska, which else. is tragic. Yeah, yeah. but pays the bills. Yeah, true. Yeah. But sideways, Paul Giamatti, which we should mention, is in a, for me, a career best performance. Did he win an Oscar for that one? No, no, didn't even get nominated. But, oh, uh, fantastic, yeah. Yeah. I love Sideways. Yeah. Next one for me, Evil Dead 2. It's a sequel. Wow. Evil Dead 2. Yeah, wow. Um, Evil Dead 1, I think, is enjoyable. It's But it's very of its time and it feels very... Like, it's, it's good. You can see bones or something there. It's a hell of an achievement of what when you know the backstory. Of how they made it. How they made how it. How even make, make that film. film. It's amazing. But Evil Dead 2 for me, is it's, it's Sam Raimi at like 28 years old and an absolute tour de force. When you know he like part of the film was he shot it by sitting on a motorbike with a camera strapped to his hand. The silence has been nodding and then, in agreement. And then driving through like four different houses while done like running through corners and stuff like that and dangling from the top of buildings to make sure he got these shots. He's a madman. He's a he, he is a genius. And yeah, he needs to be creating more. Um, he's need a bit more, yeah. Uh, and, but that that is it, it's it, it, it's one of those few films that actually it rewrote the history of the books in yeah. terms of what is expected from a film and, from and a, just, from a horror it, film from yeah. a horror film yeah. it, it created a subgenre. exactly itself, yeah. and it, Bruce Campbell being probably the best Bruce Campbell ever been like he's just it's a, he's on screen for every single second of that movie he's great he holds it together and he holds it together and the whole film is just all about him every makeup scene every every bit of brutality on that film is all on him and he holds and he, for an actor who's like I had right now is just a B actor who doesn't That's have it's strategy because he holds that entire film together for like 130 minutes, um, and there's not many people who could do that in a movie. And there's a there's a there's a real because people think of him as this force of nature, which he rightly is. But there's he can hold back as well. Ah, oh, yeah, there's he can, he can relinquish the ego uh-huh. to allow the scares to come through because it is a tense film. There's a tense. Uh, it is attention to it. Yes, it's cartoon. It's yes, comedic. It's yeah. funny and comedic, and we all love that. But there's real there's some revolutionary stuff going on there. Like some of the shots. I just <laughs> you just look at so many shots in modern horror now, and you go, "That's Raimi." I think yeah, you've had that from Raimi. Yeah, everything. Like, I mean, even was it um, Edgar Wright said that when he was making like something like Space, and like, I just ripped off Sam Raimi on yeah, one yeah, yeah. I need to do something different because I just stole from Sam Raimi for and so he's long. In his 20s, like, yeah, the man is insane. Yeah, and it's just it means it's a fanta- I watch it more and more and more every year. I think it's just I think it's an amazingly good looking film. I would argue with Evil Dead, man. Yeah, Evil Dead, is Evil, I mean, Evil Dead One, I love Evil Dead Two. I think is great, uh, amazing. Evil Dead um, Army of Darkness, I think, is a lot of fun, but it's it's a bit, it's not quite got the same thing for me there. No, it, it, Evil Dead, uh, you know, Army of Darkness is. I think I think Bob, well, good, good show. Yeah, uh, Fincher, as you know, is one of my favorite directors. It's difficult for me, like. I tried to do the um, the same rule as you, one film, one director. Mm. I did fail. Nice. Only with one director. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. It, I could have had seven in there yeah. easily. I actually could have had Zodiac in there. I think well, Zodiac yeah. is one of the most underrated films of modern times. Is Zodiac director's got a cracking director's cut as well? Yeah, it is. Yeah, really good yeah it is. Um, I just love everything about Fincher. Uh, I love 
the stereotypical things. I love the mood. I love the low lighting. I love that it looks like a Fincher film as soon yep. as it begins. I love that he's cerebral and yep. that he doesn't pander to the audience. He yep. will go. He'll he'll start a film halfway through a conversation and he's like, "You have to catch up. You'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pander to you. You know. Yeah. yeah, you're clever enough if you're watching this film. Yeah." Um, like he's, he, like there's Zodiacs like that I mean Zodiac you don't know what's going on for the first hour at all yeah at all I, I, it's, I, almost, it's almost like short sentences like almost shorthand between the act yeah. between the characters yeah it feels like in, in, a series of in jokes yeah I'm, I'm watching it I watched it with um, with my wife and uh, you know she's more you know stereotypical film film uh, viewer and she was I don't like this at all I don't know where we are with it yeah the Persevere with David Fincher yeah and by the end she says it's her favourite Fincher film yeah like, easily um, so th- there's a lot I, there's a lot of films I could have gone with Seven is the greatest serial killer film of that ilk it's sensational but Fight Club in terms of the impact it had on me it has to be Fight Club yeah um, not just because it ended with a Pixie song but that's right up there <laughs> 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 something, yes. I think so I just I, I don't think Brad Pitt I th- it feels as though Tyler Durden was created for Brad Pitt it feels like Brad Pitt's always been trying to recapture that ever since yes. he's never really given God that yeah. again I don't think so no. I, I think he's done a lot of good roles but that's he's the force I agree and it was, that's been unrecognised by the like, Academy and things like that yeah. and he's never going to get that moment he's never again get that because he was at his it sounds vapid but he was at his peak of handsomeness yes, as well exactly, so yeah. he was cool he was the quintessential personification of cool yeah. so everything that he was in real life Came in that film. Came in that film. But but then he made that film. That film, it was. It wasn't the Brad Pitt movie start at that point, was it? Really? Not really. I mean, like it, se- seven. It, seven. He was. He was the. He was the second cast. He was the second cast. second name on the cast. Like Legends of the Fall and things Again, like that. Not Black, really. Think, Black Joe Black. Yeah. It's just that's that handsome dude. Who's Probably in California might be the only film he's top villain, but that was like. It took a while to get yeah. past that true romance. Yeah. stoner handsome stereotype with yeah. no kind of nothing worthwhile to add and even this film he's not it's not a he's not a leading it's not a leading role he's got a no. duel it's, no it's, but it's more Norton's film I think but it is Norton's film. film Norton is it can't be understated how good Norton is in it and Norton is a bit of a hidden treasure really yeah he's one of them who's just kind of he disappears for a while and he comes back and you go bloody hell I forgot how good Ed Norton goes and it's the same with Birdman but bloody hell I forgot how I forgot good Ed Norton is you know um Primal Fear, same thing. You know, yeah. he's just—he's a proper talent in American history. X. I pretty much love anything Ed Norton's in. Yep. I take him for granted a bit, but it's—it's it's just a film that is a proper shot in the arm. And as I said at the start of the piece, there are films that made me come away feeling as if someone had just ejected amphetamines directly into my eyes. But is that, that's a film you've got to see at the right time. If you see that film in your forties, it's probably not going to have the same effect. No, I don't. I'm, like, I'm jaded. I'm yeah. Done. Yeah, I don't feel like I can change the world. Yeah, you see it when you're it's like 17, I watched that when I was 18 and I, I still felt something. So you feel yeah. like it will help I'm, you at that I'm I feel dead. like you can do something with I'm, that I'm one. dead inside now. But it's one of the few films that is, and uh, the book is very good, but it's better than the source. The film's actually better. better than the source material. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but no, I'm, like, I'm a huge fan of Fight Club as well, but I'd probably put seven slightly higher than my Fincher. I could, I could easily go with that. Yeah. I could, I could make a case for them. It was just more... Where the wind was blowing. Yeah, yeah. I'd, probably, I'd probably put seven. Just seven, set. seven more rewatchability. Probably yes. Seven is more. Every time you watch it, you go, "Fucking hell, that is incredible." Yeah. Um, despite the reveal being something that's it's now in the, it's, it's in, the, it's in the public lexicon now, but you still and people know what it is. Yes. Um, and I probably reference seven more than I reference Fight Club. To be honest. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it's incredibly easily referential. Yeah. yeah. But but Fight Club that initial impact. As the buildings are burning and Helen Bonham Carter is just hugging him and, and 
Pixies, whereas my mind just plays. You're just going, oh, that's mind blowing. Yeah. yeah, it just it, yeah, it blew my mind. And Fair it, it's a it's a masterpiece for me. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, next one I'm going for is 1982 is the thing. Wow, Carpenter's. Oh man, I think it's Carpenter's best movie. Oh wow. I mean, Carpenter had a run from. This was like, knocking on the door for me. I have to say, this Carpenter, was knocking on the door. Carpenter, like eighty-one to ninety, is an is an insane run. It's nothing short of cinematic perfection. He didn't really have any missteps, did he? Or it's, it's like it's a ten-film continual hit after hit after hit. Even after if hit. they weren't critically uh, um, commercially acclaimed. Oh no! Even you watch them now, you go, "That's a great movie." Yeah, yeah. And it's oh, that's yeah. the thing. Carpenter was almost he's beyond perfection at that point mm. um, but if anyone I'm, better in that run no don't think so no we've, we've discussed it like, not in pod unfortunately we've discussed it like, me and Colin and we can't everyone else has a down moment you know Tantino's yeah, not enough he's not had 10 films out yet he can't be the, the guy who does that he could have a 10 but just and the thing still about, have a death proof wouldn't the thing about, well yeah true um, the thing about Carpenter it wasn't like this was 10 films over the course of like 20 years, it was 10 films in about 11 and a half years. Yeah, it was prolific. It was prolific, yeah. Um, but the thing, I think it's, I loved, I actually loved the original thing as well. I think it's a really, I really like that film. I the Hudson Hawk one, I really, I think it's a really good, um, good flick. But this is just elevates, like, the idea of, like, you know. I still have nightmares of the thing. Yeah, the dog scared the hell out of me as a kid, yeah. I can still, we talked about this before, and we'll talk about it again, no doubt, with other films mentioned in my list. Films that you watch as a kid of the eighties when you're far too young to watch it, yeah. To be watching and the thing is definitely up there. The bit with the the hands through the chest still gets me and that yeah. still freaks me out when I'm when I'm watching when I see it now. Still, like, I know it's coming, but it still creeps the hell out of me. It, I don't think Kurt Russell have been better in a film than this one. People will point to like Big Trouble Little China and I think like things he done there, but really sort of more charismatic in a way. But this to me is my favorite Kurt Russell performance. There's more. It's more of a tour de force, isn't it? The thing. It's more of a it's less it's less comedic and it's less obviously yeah. flamboyant but I think but there's then, more in this film yeah I agree and I agree and it's uh, there's there's a macabre disturbed quality to it that that shows how ahead of the curve Carpenter was when you're talking what 35 years ago yeah. 82 as you say the effects are still brutal they still they hold up pretty well you know it's all they, oh, I think they do they hold up pretty good I solid. can't really watch the film like for me, in my head, in my little, shouldn't be watching this seven-year-old head. <laughs> my dad is in the room and not listening. <laughs> Terrible parenting. But I, the thing was the kind of strange, du- straight, exactly strange double bill with the fly. Yeah, the fly, yeah, absolutely. The fly, you've got the arm wrestling, and the thing, you've got the dogs, and then these two. In my confused little head, they were one film, and they were this one disturbed mishmash of macabre awfulness. Yeah. But you should I be watching. Them. Yeah, you should not both. be watching. I was compelled. And I wanted to watch them. I think I think I actually stole the thing from my dad. He had it in videotape, and I think I stole it from him to watch it, and probably instantly regretted it because it did give me nightmares. But you know, even though it's, it's, it's just awesome. It, when it was the last time you watched it? Watched it about a year ago because I was going to go and see it. They were showing it in Glasgow in a ski slope, so <laughs> so it was really cold and chilled out and to watch it. And they didn't get. I, I, couldn't get tickets for it, so I ended up watching it that night, just all sad and alone because I couldn't oh, go and see it. There. That's a come down. That's a come down, yeah. But I think I watched it then, um, and again it holds up. Brilliant. The, the tension of it. I even don't mind the one they brought out recently when it's sort of the prequel to it. It was okay. It's okay. It doesn't have the same quite impact of it, but I still no. appreciate what it does. But the best bits of that film, the last two minutes when it when it starts to echo into the the, the original. The, the, the thing the, is, the it makes you want to watch the original. That's, that's the, the genius of it. 
there's no genius in it at all apart from that yeah <laughs> I want to watch I want to watch 82 thing and yeah. that makes you realise all the more what a classic yeah. it is and I think it, what I know even more about is Carpenter's a guy who's pretty much ignored unfortunately now he's sort of well, people I was, was going to say you know you, you need to you know flesh out a bit of Carpenter for people here like, yeah because like, he's a guy who made some of the best horrors and best sort of like, so genre so people only really know him from from the mainstream of Halloween of Halloween maybe Escape, maybe, from, maybe Escape from New York maybe Escape from New York maybe Big Trouble you know maybe What's the other one he done? Uh, so I'm preaching thirteen, something like that. But maybe, but I mean, maybe stretching yeah. then, you know. But he's, he's he's more a name now than actually people probably couldn't name many films. But they just know the name or John Carpenter. He done some horror. Yeah. But he didn't just do horror. He done some of the best horror, like going, and on a rudimentary budget as well. No budget, and now he seems to be like pretty much ignored by Hollywood. Closing the music as well. Right? Doing music, doing the editing, doing the you know, banging shot a lot of stuff as well. And now Hollywood's sort of just going, yeah, we want we we want your ideas we don't want you anymore and that seems really sad to me this guy should he wants to keep working he wants to keep doing stuff he should be allowed to keep doing stuff he's one of the greats and he hasn't been loaded as such has he no and I think again he's one of these guys a bit like Romero um, a bit like Craven as well and a bit like Toe Hooper as well we're only going to remember this guy for what he did once he passes away and you get to that point where that's probably going to happen sooner rather than later at least Craven made his money you know it doesn't feel right the Carpenter he hasn't done as well commercially has he yes okay the Halloween films are are, are still producing and there's a new one imminent and apparently he's on board he is on board with that apparently so yes you don't know do you you know it doesn't feel right does it it doesn't it doesn't feel right someone that talented isn't yeah, ordered as such. Like with Romero, for example, as well, like a guy who creates a genre and now does a, ma- a billion dollar industry made on the back of what he did should be getting something for it. And the fact that Carpenter's got to go and tour it in 80 years old to play music, which I think would be awesome to see. I don't know if that's what you want to do just to, to You're see. You're wheeling out a relic there, aren't ah, you? And like Craven had to go around, not Craven, sorry, Romero had to go around sorry, all, yeah. all the the cons and stuff Comic-Cons like that and to sign pictures and I'm sure if you met him it'd be amazing to he'd, meet him he'd, he'd be lovely and magnanimous but, but you shouldn't have to do that you should be at home. home yeah just, just like off Scrooge McDuck yeah just living you know, off the money you've got that's rolling in his millions and it's sad that that's the case that is great guys but that is a great film but it's an amazing film and it should be watched every time and it's an awesome film and I love it every second it's a great show yep next one for you next one for me next one for me is The Big Lebowski Ooh, is that your only Coen Bros winning? Yeah. Ooh. That was hard. That's a tough, that's a tough one, yeah. That we can do, we can double up on mine right now, because my next one would be another Coen Bros one as well. Um, it was going to be a blogger out there. Yeah, well, that was close second. Yeah. It was close second, and the only reason for that, there isn't really a reason for it. Again, it's a bit where the wind blows. Lebowski just gives me a little bit more in terms of probably experiences meeting friends yeah this is a film we should watch yeah yeah and I've kind of it's kind of I've caught I've forged friendships based on about about yeah but for me you can pick pick anything the Cone Brothers from about up in their golden era yeah yeah their golden era you can pick like I could pick Noah's Crossing even I could pick Fargo it's flawless I mean yeah exactly to not pick Fargo feels sacrilege yeah yeah you know, all this fun, a great movie, it was a great TV show as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, it's, so, it's stunning. And that yeah. shows the, the mileage. You know, I, I could, we say about Spielberg, the Coens, I could do a top ten. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, you it, know. It's more just, the, the problem is the, the Coen Brothers is how you put them in order. It's impossible. Yeah, you know, I'd probably put Lady Killers at the bottom. 
that's the only one I could say. <laughs> Everything else on that way up, because even ones that people don't like. Even like Burn After Reading, I really enjoyed it. It's weird. Uh, even. In Trouble Cruelty, people don't like, I think that's a crackly funny film. That to me is everything that an, uh, a rom com should be. be. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's so whip smart, it's so made for George Clooney and Tita Jones, they're just bouncing off each other. The people it's like a 50s throwback. The people who are going to see that film were expecting something else, and they didn't, they got a Coen Brothers movie. It's and whip it's, smart, Yeah, man. they don't, they're not expecting that. That's it's right. so funny. Uh, yeah. I, but Lebowski, what can be said about Lebowski? You know, it, it's one of them that didn't really do that well no. commercially at the time it's become a sleeper cult hit it's it's got one of my favourite Seymour Hoffman performances even if yep. he's barely in it yep <laughs> Brett is amazing um, Tara Reid is awful <laughs> brilliantly awful she plays herself without yeah. even realising it? yep. it's almost like the Coens are trolling her yeah. uh, it's a minor thing it's the only, Which is, it's the only film that Sam Elliott's in as well yes it's, it's the only appearance in the Coen Brothers world I feel that's unfair I feel he's been more it feels like he he belongs in the body yeah. He's part of that world. Yeah. Um, Bridges is uh, career best slacker dude, amazing, beautiful human. Goodman is Goodman is and Goodman's always good, that's the Goodman's thing. Goodman's always great. Good. He is always great, but he is he's channeling something, but he's a bit of a muse with uh, with the Cohen's around. Few, yeah. Like Barton Fink, he's he's unhinged. He's unhinged in a brother up there as well. He plays oh, uh, yeah. the, uh, the Bible oh, yeah. salesman who turns out to be the Ku Klux Klan member yep. and stuff like that. Yeah, know, so. he's got that quality in him. He's got something the Coen seem to bring that out of him. Yeah. From the dude from Roseanne who seems cuddly and lovely, they bring some darkness out of him, Beelzebub-esque. Um, but yeah, there's not much I can say about Lebowski that probably hasn't already been said. Yeah. It's mega quotable. It probably is a bit hipster. I don't care. It's just really fucking weird. Yeah. It's a weird film. Yeah. Like, if you watch it, there's all kinds of crazy... If you haven't seen it, there's so many bizarre dream sequences. Uh, Julia Moore... Fucking art house dancing with her norks out. Yeah. Uh, there's bridges getting punched in the f- getting a cup thrown in his face because he likes the eagles by a police officer <laughs> things just escalate quickly yeah. it's small scale in every sense but it just rapidly descends and, and just escalates yeah. I just I've got nothing but love for it and I could watch it over and over again and never be tired of it so I love yeah. Lebowski awesome I mean I can't fault it Lebowski is like it's, it's phenomenal Lebowski and plus it has flea so yeah. it's fine um, what have I got? Well, what I've got out there for myself is a, is a Coen Brothers entry I've got in my And life. I could easily, you know my love for Oh Brother, where yeah. are now? I mean, what a film. Yeah. I like it because I like people who think they're smart, but they're not as smart. Clooney! Clooney, is like, he plays brilliantly smart. The Idiot Trilogy, is yeah. The Idiot Trilogy. Yeah. What are the three? There's that Intolerable Cruelty and Burn After Reading. Yeah, yeah three, aren't there? But he plays a guy who thinks he knows way more than he does <laughs> and doesn't know anything. So good. You know, and I, I just think I really like that. You he know? plays that amazingly. And I love that because he's so quintessential. Again, we were talking earlier, Ryan Reynolds, people who convey that um, preconception about them. Yeah. He, he play, he's the most handsome man in the world, probably, and he's just playing this... Gormless idiot. Gormless idiot <laughs> thinks he's the ringleader. Yeah. And he's, it, like, <laughs> it's just slightly more idiotic people... Behind him, yeah, he's, like, he's an idiot leading two other idiots. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's a not, gateway not, to idiocy. Yeah, you know, Dapper Dan. You know, yeah. even the song "Man of Constant Sorrow." What a great version! Yeah. I, 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 love I love this film so much. I went and seen Alison Krauss playing Glasgow because her, wow. her, her, the guy who sings with her is the guy who does Clooney's voice in the yes. film. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went to it just for that, just to him do uh, "Man of Constant yeah. Sorrow." Oh. Um, but yeah, like, it's again hard to say anything about it. All and they've got that weird kind of. They've still got the weird dream sequences going on with the sirens, the song of the sirens, uh-huh. and all yeah. that going on. It's there's there's not 
He needs to throw me moments in that film. You get a bit about when the um, baby face Nelson comes into it for just for five minutes and just walks away. You're like, what is the point in that? But it just it it's works so well. Yeah, but it works. And, yeah, it, yeah. Work, and it just it adds yeah. so much to the film. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, well, those it, again. That, they were a real hot shoot then. Oh, I think. I think they, still, they, they, they don't really produce bad films. No, they don't. They can produce, produce interesting films. The weakest Coen Brothers is better than like anybody else's best film usually. You know. They don't. For me, they're the greatest of all time. They're the greatest of all time for me. Of the indies, or just generally. Just every, in terms, if I had to pick one one director, it would be because it's odd. It's, it's Joe gets the credit for this one. Yeah. It's only recently they've been allowed to do they've the. They've done both, but generally. It's, it's always accepted that both for directing, but just um, yeah. Yeah, and Ethan just says, "Okay, I'll produce." Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's recently that they've been both getting credit. Yeah. I think it's really nice. I'm glad that they're is both sweet. getting that. Yeah, I quite like that. But I think everyone always knew it was always from the two of them. That's all I've always viewed. Yeah, everyone's always going to do it that way. Uh, number five for yourself, or oh, the next one for yourself. Uh, the next one for me. Bloody hell! Okay. For me. If I if I were a director, <laughs> this is the film I'd want to direct. It's the most perfectly shot film I think ever. Um, it's The Shining. Fair enough. It's not even my favourite Kubrick film. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that too. Yeah, he's one of them. He's like the Coens. He's got such a vast, incredible yeah. body of work that I get it. I've read the book and I've, I've seen the film. You know, obviously many times. There's a story behind the film. Okay, for me. So this is probably why it takes up great resonance. My granddad, my dad's dad, um, was round, and, and the other man where I'm from, he was over from Scotland, and mum and dad were out having a few drinks. I was probably seriously too young, but my, I was 12, and my granddad was a bookbinder, and he was into his reading, and I'm I'm a nerd, so I was into my reading, still am, and he said. Have you read The Shining, son? I said, no, I don't really like, I don't really like horrors. He said, you should watch the film. I said, I don't know about that. He said, you should watch it. And uh, he went out to, that's how old I am, the video store. And he got, he got me a copy of The Shining. Right. And he said, you should watch that and you should watch it. I mean, this is fucking messed up advice from a granddad. Yeah, it's it's a old, yeah. And he said, you should watch that. Alone, you mum and dad out tonight, and I thought he was looking after me, and he just fucked off to the pub. So you, unless you traumatized by the shining. Tells me. <laughs> so I watched The Shining by myself. I was fucking terrified. I was completely captivated, but utterly terrified to my very soul. Like I, I had no context of it. I had no, no understanding. No, I, didn't know, I didn't know who Stanley Kubrick was. I didn't know Stephen King really. I didn't know anything about anything. I just knew that the twins and the blood and the music and the maze and Jack Nicholson and the bar and the terror and the pain and the anguish and the ah. It, exactly. It was, for me, it just really, it rippled through me and I was just, and I was, I was drowning in paralysis waiting for my parents or drunken granddad to find their way home. To save you from Jack save Nicholson. Save me from Jack Nicholson who was on, I don't want to say career high because Jack Nicholson you could say one flew of the cuckoo's nest. You could say Chinatown. You could say a myriad. You could say the one who won the bloody Oscar for Helen Hunt. I don't know. Good as, it gets. Good as it gets. Yeah. You could say numerous films because he's an absolute star. But for me, he's my, it's my most enjoyable performance because he is 
it weirdly seems like he's letting loose but obviously the stories behind it indicate yeah. that he really isn't because Kubrick's a fucking tyrant yeah. <laughs> but it feels like he is Yeah. but it also feels like he is a man who's genuinely losing his mind which obviously is what the point Kubrick of the is going yeah. for um, and the, the torture that Kubrick done to Shelley Duvall as well is awful. unconscionable it's, like, it's unconscionable it's, you look at it now and you think that's your fault yeah. you dead bastard yeah you <laughs> traumatised that woman for the sake of, a, yeah. of, a, of an art have you seen project. her now? No, I haven't. Is she, oh my is she wrecked? Is she's, she destroyed? Not, she's not good. Destroyed woman? She is not probably, good. You probably trace most of it back to that film. Mm. I'm guessing. Like, most of the film would come back to that. I think so, that. but ultimately, we don't really care about her. No, we don't. <laughs> no. So it's fine. It's fine. You, know, you know, it's all Weinstein. It's fine. We, we sweep it under the carpet because the film Because the art is great, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's the sad truth, isn't it? But, uh, but for me, it's, I say, from a director's perspective, not that I'm a director, but if I were, I would look at that and I think the way everything's shot, the way the little the little details, the way Danny's trike makes no noise going over a certain carpet and then makes a lot of noise. Yeah, that's Maybe just great sound design. It's just well. really great yeah. sound. Do you ever watch the documentary about it? Uh, room 239? Room that everything's all connected. Like, like 239? 247? 247? 247? I can't remember. You room something. It's got a 7 in it. I think a 7 in it. I can't remember yeah. the full title of it. I'm going to say 147. I don't think he's had a big break, is he? <laughs> I'm sure that must be 247 then. I think it's 247. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, the fact like the, the, the hotel's laid out in the same way as Hitler's bunker and stuff like yeah. that is just so bizarre. I've read a lot about Kubrick as well, yeah. so it makes sense. It does make sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's... It's, there's a reason he was he was so prolific when he was young, and then he just veered off into this well he came scared of flying and stuff he wouldn't leave the, he wouldn't leave England after a certain point mm-hmm. no there was a real mania to him yeah. in terms of filming um, Eyes Wide Shut there was he needed to find this quintessential door uh, for the front door yeah. where the liaisons took place and he got his assistant to take photos of every single door in Notting Hill right, yeah. so thousands of doors yeah. and then he used the one door that he thought would be the door in the first place Yeah, and that took his his assistant dude you know about a month I mean, was the guy as well who used to have like a video village set up with like, like, with, like 50 screens showing every take individually because he couldn't have playback properly he had like just so he could watch them and it basically it's the same scene for like a minor tweak yeah. that he's seen it's something that I, he ended up too invested in That that's what you, you're not thinking about you're overthinking yeah. what the viewer is going to witness but at The Shining he's got that it's perfect a, it's almost a sweet spot he's got a sweet spot, spot where he's got that madman obsession but ultimately, it serves a purpose, and the purpose is that those minor minutiae, those tiny details really come through Absolutely. amidst this overarching, harrowing terror. And lots of people say they don't find it scary, but maybe I'm just old, and maybe I'm a pussy, but I find the giant really fucking scary. And for me, it's the music that frightens me. Yeah. It's the music that scares me. I think the soundtrack is sensational. There's a really... It's because it feels completely unhinged. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a lack of logic there, and there's a child involved, and there's there's paranormal shit going on too, and it feels as if there's a real terror within those walls, and the the place feels so all-encompassing and large that you can never escape. And when you do escape, you've got the maze scene at the end, yeah. which actually for me is a bit of a damp squib. Compared yeah. to the film, yeah. it's, it's my, few, my one of my few. It's almost like it's a rushed ending. To it feels extent, like yeah. they rushed it, uh, but it's a really cool ending. It's a cool when ending, you see yeah. Nicholson in the fucking the the, the montage it, with everyone else there. Yeah, you know the old black and white photo. Well, yeah, yeah. is a good ending, but uh, that the it's a very minor bugbear for me is 
Yeah, it's the, great, the greatest horror film I've ever seen. The last five seconds is something like you know, I don't think the last five I'm seconds. I'm not going to quibble. No, no. Yeah. Um, I'm going to number five is Kill Bill Volume 1. Again, very close for me. And yes. good memories for me because we watched that together. We did. The first time we watched it. Uh, you were, I saw it about 11 times in the cinema. Like, it really it, it well, became we a, saw it three, I Yeah, I mean, I saw it a lot. And I was only like, at uni with you for about two months. Yeah, yeah. so we saw it a lot. Um, it was... It's weird because it's actually it's the first Tarantino film I saw in the cinema. Is it? Because I guess we're young. We were yeah, too we're young. too young to see Jackie Brown. That would be way too young. Yeah. Obviously, way too young to see Pulp or Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, so that's what made it exciting to me as well. It's been the first time we see a film in cinema, which is by QT. And I just, it was just, it blew me away from the opening black and white moment when she's going to get shot by Bill. Yeah. To like the fact you have the whole like, Japanese. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Japanese film, but I love the way he no, done it. Me neither. And there's so much thrown at you in that what film. He's he si- stuck, he siphons off yeah. everyone else and makes it his own. Like, no one else could put a film in half the through just turn it into anime. No. No, they couldn't. And you would, no. you totally accept it for like this bit, and then you have a bit when he does a major fight scene in black and white because the censors say you can't show him like Buzzy Fairy shoot in black and white then how beautiful is that final scene yeah. with Lucy Liu and, Lucy, and then you have juxtaposed with that scene where you have this in, like, utter chaos which is a silent moment on white with yeah. two women yeah. just fighting and it's, oh, it's the, just the, the scene in the shadows as uh-huh. well with the silhouettes exactly yeah it's just with the 558s or whatever playing do you think it is his bravest film I think it's in one he's thrown and I don't, it's still great, but it doesn't quite have the same impact. Resonance. Because it's got an ending that doesn't feel worthy of the film itself. Mm. Like I think the ending of Kill Bill, this, the, 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 the full lot, it's a weak ending. Like the, 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 the defeat of Bill, I feel, should be more. Yeah. And yeah. that's what got me more than anything else. And again, I'm not going to fault it, it's still a cracking film, I still love it, and I still have great moments in it. Um, but and maybe that's a good thing about Kill Bill 1. Kill Bill 1 does, doesn't have to have an ending. No. Because as soon as you decide to do over two films, you, could, you don't have to end this film. You no. just leave it on a cliffhanger, and that makes it. I'm a watch, a watch. The tough job is in the second one to try and tie it all up. Um, but just this one, I think it's. it's, it's I can't really say much about it, obviously, it is utterly. I think it's Tarantino's best work, which is saying a lot based on what he's done. Um, I don't think it's his best film, I think Reservoir Dogs is still his best film, like as a terms of a story, perfectly plotted story. Reservoir Dogs is still his best. But as a film of visual, visual film, and to watch over and over again, I will always go back to Kill Bill Volume One, like every time. Uma Thurman's best role? Yes, by a long. Well, yeah, it's tough to Pulp Fiction. She's like iconic in Pulp Fiction, but she's a poster. She's a poster, and she's a poster in this as well. Like every poster had her on the poster. Every. Um, but she's more than a poster in Kill Bill, isn't yeah, she? Yes, she is. She's more. She has more to do in this, and she does hold the role. Mm-hmm. Um, she does have more on-screen time as well, and she has to go through different variations of herself. Because you see, like, sort of at different points, the innocent young girl, and you see her as a broken pellet, and you know, you see her all the way through the film. So, um, yeah, probably it's her best role. Best role as an actress, definitely. Like, I think right now she's done yeah. it's better than that. But yeah. It's a masterpiece. It's perfect. There's no doubt of that in my mind. I love it. Will be yourself next one. Where are we? How many have we left? We're at four left to go. Leads us nicely. No, I'll leave that actually. I guess I'll do another Tampedo one, but it's you know, not the one I've picked. Pulp Fiction? Yeah, had it. Yeah. It's obvious. It is, yeah. I mean, it, you can't fault Pulp Fiction. And I haven't seen anything better. The only problem I've got with Pulp, to an extent, is I love the opening. I love the opening bits of it with Jules and bits. I'm not as invested in everyone else other than... Really? Yeah, yeah. They're the two guys that I feel the most about. See, I, 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 I'm, I'm swept up in all of it and every time I watch it I am. 
and as I say I come back to the first time I watch something yeah no, yeah, that's the thing it does take you I've never seen anything like that no, it's just good. flitted with timelines yeah. and different characterization and just awful people that you cared about <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what was cool for me I was like these people are terrible but I want yeah. them to survive and I want to know what happens to them absolutely I mean, and it also ties in like for me it's it's Yiggity's best film I could easily make a case for that being the best piece of cinema ever. I I know it sounds hyperbolic, but I, I don't know if I'll... I won't ever feel the same way I felt as I did watching Pulp Fiction for the first time. No, I Never. Like, it absolutely doesn't blow The closest you. I've got, actually, is Baby Driver. Probably, yeah, because... Because that buzz. That buzz. Yeah, but I know, good. second time round, I'll be a bit let down Probably. by Baby Driver. Absolutely. Because I think that's a very temporal thing. Yeah. But I think Pulp Fiction, every time I watch, I go, oh, something new something new and yeah. I still watch it with Kill Bill and I have exactly the same thing with Kill Bill and it was very close uh, with me as well with Kill Bill and I could easily put it on this list and Reservoir Dogs which is yeah. from a writer's perspective Reservoir Dogs is I think it's still his best it's film. ridiculous yeah, like, it's still his best movie. You know, this is me bowing to yeah. the Reservoir Dogs is you know we're talking one of the greatest playwrights ever writing something like that yeah. it's that good but Pulp Fiction is the perfect marriage between this whip smart crazed frenzied amphetamine fueled almost writer who's just buried in pop culture and just he's spewing everything he's read and seen onto the screen for you and he is creating a new cool he is creating his version of cool and that became cool yeah. that became he created cool the, yeah. the concept of cool he so, created it in the 90s also Pope, Pope is a sophomore film you know Reservoir Dogs is the one he works on for his life yes to make to he's go then, straight he then got, he's got, he then got 18 months the pressure yeah, to yeah. make the second film, and everyone, every film you see the second film is always never getting as weaker. Never as good. It's a bit bloated. And it's, oh. uh, it's not bloated. It's it's lean and it's crazy and it's yeah. mad and it's it's a real. It's so punk rock. It is so punk rock. Yeah. Like that opening two makes Jackie Brown seem like shit, and it's yeah. not fair because Jackie Very Brown, great. any other person, would be a fucking career highlight. Yeah. Um, like Jackie's almost forgotten by you. Jackie's forgotten. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. You kill Bill was better by the absence and the, the gap he gave between well, Jackie Brown yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I think Jackie Brown hopefully my impression is that people are starting to like Jackie Brown more as time goes they on they might be evaluation over time mm. yeah absolutely it's darker as well it's dark, yeah but I still can't I, mean, I can't fault I can't really even come dare to fault it. I love yeah. it every way but it's how you feel about it I, I, I do I am surprised you haven't got on that yeah it, it, I did stick to my one director mostly Um <laughs> Um, hmm. and I had to pick one and it's Kill Bill just a, a, it had more of an impact because I don't know again because I've seen it in the cinema for the first time that's the thing with Pulp I didn't see it in the cinema um, and like I said it's all it's the the Jules and not Jules and Vern it's Jules and it's Jules and Vern Jules and Vern yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, characters that, I have, that are in the film that I have the most impact with yeah That um, and I keep watching them once they go away for a little bit like I do lose a little bit of the Bruce Willis story not totally but I do find myself you're picking faults because you have to now yes. we're, we're talking high level yes. I, get like, no, I get it if it's it. going from a 10 it's going from a 10 to like a 9.8 yeah. you know it's not losing like, it's not like dropping down to no. a completely boring nasty ass no. crap movie um, but yeah that's why it just it has a dip that makes you go I'm just, I don't care about you as much as I care about George Gottlieb and Sam Jackson whereas everything that revolves around Kill Bill is about a character you care about deeply because so everything that revolves around it is she, uh, it, it relates to her she don't, she don't care for much every scene in that film and the genius of Kill Bill as well is it's, it's sorry come back to Kill Bill yeah. but it, it's fleshing out 
their backstory so you oh. start to feel their pain yeah you're like okay you know it's not just we want her to kill everyone exactly maybe we don't yeah. she's got a kid you know um, she's Chinese and angry yeah you know? <laughs> do you want to kill Bill at the end of it because Bill's never raised a daughter and that's the daughter calls her dad and stuff like yeah. that is that what we and he see? makes a sandwich that looks fucking delicious it does look good and he, he knows about the bit. crust off which is fine it does but, a lot with Superman as well which I'm yeah, always the way he wheels that knife at the sandwich yeah. Yeah. What are talking about Superman yeah. <laughs> um, after this one what we got you said Pulp uh, I'm going to go to the next one for me because we're approaching two hours now so we've got to move oh, this along this is yeah. quite verbose uh, um, is uh, 1981's uh, Overstone JFK which I've talked to you about length about because how yeah, much I love yeah. it it was close Like I, I had a conversation with um, sorry to co-op but with uh, my dad and my uncle in Prague recently and we were talking about this list and I said I could easily put JFK in why aren't I putting JFK in and the only reason I haven't is because these films had already kind of made their mark. I watched JFK quite late. I, right, didn't, watch, I didn't watch JFK until mid 2000s. Right, okay. And uh, but it is in terms of an absolute tour de force, acting ridiculous masterclass from so many different people, I mean, people that, making it, something quite rudimentary and dull yeah. into, into something captivating I mean Donald Sullivan's in that film for about 5 minutes and yeah, runs and up, up about like 50 pages of dialogue and yeah. comes in and owns his role how 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 long is it? 3 hours it's touching 3 hours yeah. and I think the, the final courtroom scene is phenomenal I wrote an essay on it in high school about the, the courtroom scene from like the, his, not in the courtroom scene his closing speech uh-huh. Which is just, I think it's, it's up there with, like, for me, the Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Oh. Just absolutely beautiful. Hands just, down, yeah. man. Hands um, down. It's almost like the, the new version of that for me. Like the way he he talks about how his son can go into the, the building in like October, whatever it was, yeah. 2017, and ask for those documents and get them, and he can get oh, them. Yeah. Um, Sensational. I, I love that. I think it's also it's a film that probably brings the full gambit of all the stones. Ability the filmmaker to, sh- to bring from like you know real life archival footage you know, to marry that with his own romanticized artistic notion of what America is of what America is and to yeah. to intersperse his own feelings behind uh-huh. that and his own political motive. Yeah, but it was before he became so politicized that you wouldn't actually watch what he's creating. This is this is beginning of that. You can see this. Is, I mean, Pulp Fiction is obviously a political film. You can not Pulp Fiction, Platoon. Sorry, it's a it's a political movie from start to finish. So is. Like, you know, everything he does has been, it's got some sort of political bent to it, because that's the way that's the writer he is. Yeah. But this seems to be the sort of start of what he's become, what people know Overstone as now, mm-hmm. which is like more the political activist in some way, or they kind that, of. That's how most people will see him now, uh-huh. right along. Like, um, Costner has been better? Has he ever been better? Costner's always good. Costner is always good. Never been better, but then things like Untouchable, Field of Dreams, No Way Out, and all that kind of like yeah. touch in the same level. But there's a, de- there's a detached quality to him in JFK, I think, that makes it stand apart in terms of his performances. Correct, yeah, and it's a, it's a role that could have been done by, like nowadays, we're done by Tom Hanks. Yes. It's like, he is playing yes. the everyman, but he's got a little bit more stature than the everyman. You know, he's, he's above. He's not. There's a stubborn battle, quality yeah, to and him. also he's, he's above his staff. He knows this in the film. He he's says very it. aware of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, He knows he's in charge. Whereas Hank would probably Hank would be like, "Oh, do you want to help? You know, you're one of my people. We're on the same yeah. level." He's, he was, he's not doing he that. He would know that, but he would phrase it in a different Definitely. manner. Yeah. Whereas there's a bit. He like, needed that brash yeah. quality. And I don't know how close that is to Garrison. I don't know how he's like as a real man. I've seen little interviews with him, but he does mm. seem very different from that. Mm. But yeah, just in terms of film, and like it's a film, it's, it, like I said, it brings so much. 
and throw so much at you and demand so much of an audience as well. No, it's it's a, it's not but a remotely commercial film. No, and that's what made make it great about it as well. Um, I think I know it did do better overseas than it did in America for pretty much obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, it just I saw it when I was about fifteen, I think it was, and it had a, it hit me really hard at the time, and it really did. I became obsessed by the like Kennedy assassination. It, it is an obsessive thing. Yeah. Once you, I was the same after I watched um, Bill Hicks, and I just became obsessed by it. And yeah. I actually ended up on the film JFK post the Hicks Bill film, Hicks yeah. released the files, and uh, now we're in a position where the files are being released, and nothing's really came of them. Yeah. The files haven't been released. No, 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 no <laughs> yeah. it's absolute false. But what a masterpiece! Yep. On the next one for you, Alien. I didn't put it on my list and I came fucking really close to put it on my list. Um, we kind of touched upon it. Uh, it's the same, the same problem, it's the same thing as Jaws, not problem, same Yeah, don't release the monster early, in fact, make it a fucking slog and you know, you know, you see the greatest poster of all time, uh-huh. you know what you're going to watch, Yeah. you hear the greatest tagline of all time, you know what you're going to watch, and it's interminable and you're waiting for it. And also, a theme we've touched, touched on before, I watched that shit way too young yeah, and now yeah. my uncle's VHS when I was like 7 or 8 yeah. and I thought Alien that sounds good Alien not even plural just one, just one, one Alien just one, alien. Right. Just yeah. one guy would be alright won't be that scary and uh, it's still utterly terrifying I, I struggle to watch it now um, again an incredible understated piece of filmmaking the use of light spare, shadow light shadow Sonics, the Sonics are so minimal. Just, there are no words for Alien for me. Like, yeah, uh, everything since has been has been down. It's been, trying, it's been trying to emulate yeah. that. Yeah, and he's a young, he's a whippersnapper with crazy <laughs> ideas and a, a real madman's genius. And some people would say he's recreated that with the latest Blade Runner and other Blade Runner and other films. But for me, he's never come close. No, Scott is he's basically traded on the impact of Alien for the past forty odd years now. Mm. And that's up. fine. He could, he could have retired. Yeah, Alien, that's fine. There's nothing wrong but with trading on that. He's done three or four films that I'm interested in, and that's brutal. But uh, yeah, I'm but, but it doesn't matter because. It, Crucially, he's created for me one of the greatest films ever. You can have one more of perfection. Do you really need any more of perfection? No, one more of perfection is enough. It's a shame in a way because you feel that he had more, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't have more to give. Maybe he created this absolute masterpiece, and there's nothing left. Yeah. But the tension is just at times unpalpable. Like you, you can't. You feel it like yourself that like you can't breathe yeah. watching the film. Like you can hear every every breath you are taking yeah. as you are watching the film, and it is a tough unrelenting watch and it also created one of the great great heroes of all time in, in, uh, in Ripley without yeah. doubt and that really head of the curve there as well you know so uh, I could hear uh, somebody else saying Aliens is better and I could easily put Aliens, Aliens in there Aliens is a better piece of cinematic viewing in sense of like pure spectacle Alien is art house Aliens is blockbuster yeah blockbuster that's what it's meant to be that's the whole point you don't remake you don't even Cameron said you don't remake Alien you can't and that's the genius that's the genius of Cameron in a sense because he he, I love those early test screening stories where people were running out of the cinema of Aliens Uh throwing up violently because of the way it shot that kind of almost seesaw Visceral quality, yeah. yeah, and people were throwing up in the aisles, and he was like, "That's exactly what we want." Thank you very film, much. Yeah. Let's extend that bit. Put that, <laughs> put that on the poster. Yeah. 
So yeah, I've tried to bl- uh, blitz through Alien, but yeah, it's, it's, Alien. it's stunning. It, can't really say much more about it. Uh, no. Number three for me is Clerks. Yeah, I mean, for me not to have Clerks in is a bit sacrilegious, to be honest, because that was the film that bonded us. But yeah, uh, it, it didn't, it didn't quite hit me in the same manner as you. Yep. It hit me after. Yeah, it hit um, me after. But when I first saw Clerks, it was a film that made me like. It made you you. It, made, it does in many ways. It made yeah, me. Yeah, and that, there's nothing bigger than that. Is there? Yeah, really not. I mean, there are films I've seen more that I love more, but Clerks for some, it, it, I don't know for some reason, it's like it just everything about it to me made sense. You know, it's a film about nothing, but it's a film. It's a life that although they hate the life, I wouldn't mind that life. No, it's a small movies. scale life, but it's, yeah. it's a life with friends and dicking about, yeah, and good and movies, and I'm kind of alright with that and nonsense. You know, and hearing people. I mean, I saw it was about twelve, I think. I wasn't using the same coarse language as they were at that time, but they're still talking about things that I would talk about with my friends. You know, I would talk about what was the best Star Trek film, what was the best Star Wars film, who would win a fight between, who would do this and that. And you think, when you become an adult, does that kind of stuff stop? And you assume it does, because you don't hear mum and dad talking about that kind of stuff. But then you watch clips, and these are adults on film talking about that, of a film made by another adult, written by another adult, yeah. and they're talking about the same stuff. I remember I saw you, well, the first time we met, uh, uh, Glasgow Cali and I saw you. Um, you had a cloaks t-shirt, or a cloaks cap on, one of the two. A t-shirt, cloaks t-shirt. Cloaks t-shirt, I thought it was, and I commented on it straight away. But I had only got into cloaks about a year before, yeah. so I was quite a late bloomer to that. Well, I saw Mallrats first, I think. Yeah, I saw Mallrats. Mallrats we got on TV. And I was like, how? I remember, I still don't really know, how did you get into clerks? Because it was so difficult to acquire. Yeah. Like, you couldn't get it. We had to get one of my friend's brothers to go and buy the VHS. But, how, so you saw Mallrats, so you stumbled upon it, and you thought, who's this guy? Yeah, basically. I want to yeah. see those more characters, of what it is, yeah. more of what those are. Yeah. Fascinating. So no, I could have been. Yeah, I could have been maybe twelve, thirteen or something. I saw it. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. That is game changing, you know. Yeah. And it, it it's cool as fuck. Like to hear it as well. Like, to hear that as a 12, 13 year old. Yeah, you realise. Yeah. Cool. And that's as a thing. geeky twelve, thirteen. A, a very geeky twelve, thirteen year old. Yeah, right? sure. Without many, <laughs> geek, without many geeks around. Before, like before being a comic book before fan. Before the internet and before everything, before geek culture became. Mainstream, mainstream. Yeah, it was the more of a you know, like you had to keep a head. You were very much on the periphery. Yeah, you had to. Like, so that is a game changer. That makes complete absolutely. sense. And it makes total sense. Like, and, and like seeing it again, even seeing it now, it still makes me smile. Makes me. Oh. Makes me laugh. And then when I see the the sequel as well. I love it's, the sequel, um, man. I love the sequel. It perfectly moves on the characters in a way that I myself have grown as a person, and you see that in them as well. And that's why I think, and Smith has done something people don't like, but I personally really enjoy all these films because I enjoy the man himself. There's something to enjoy in everything he yeah. produces. I, I'm not, I don't enjoy everything he's done in the same manner you do, but I enjoy most of what yeah. he's done. And certainly the early stuff is is pretty sensational from a writer's perspective. The Clerks, one, dialogue-wise, it exists in this mad uh, insular world of him and his friends, uh, this crazed, hyper, articulate, monosyllabic world where people have huge diatribes and and spew about nonsense, but at the same time you really feel as though you connect with those yeah. characters. There's a real warmth, and I think as he's gotten older, he's become less concerned with, as we all do, with cool detachment yeah. and embraced warmth. Yeah. And he had a saccharine quality anyway, as he showed straight away in Clerks, but 
I think some of his filmmaking has been really brave in how open and honest he is to the idea of of love between friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, and that's, that's the moment in Clerks too, when like uh, Randall stunning. and Randall and um, Dante are fighting in the. If you're not the going at that moment, you, you're dead inside. Yeah. The moment in the prison, in the jail, it's it's a moment to behold. But the writing is always great. Yeah. Whatever you say about Kevin Smith, the writing is. He's a writer at heart. He, yeah, he's, he's a writer. Not a film, he's not a filmmaker. He's a writer. No. And he has to have to. Have to no one else. No one else will make his writings, so he has to do it himself. But he's a writer at heart. He's a DIY director, so, yeah. but he's a fucking great writer. Yeah. He, he is a great writer. He's a writer of dialogue. He should have been a playwright, really. Probably he should have been. He's a profane playwright. <laughs> yeah. But he's so full of heart, and I always. He's one of the people I, I have real affection for. I, yeah. I love hearing whatever he has to say. I'll generally always listen. So, totally get why he's that. That's there, man. Yeah. I'd be stunned if it wasn't there. Yeah, if, oh, if one wasn't there. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I still think Chase Names is his best movie. Yeah, well, we talked about this the other night, and dialogue wise, easily. And it's, it's, story it's novelistic. Affleck's brilliant. It's 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 novelistic. Like, but Clerks means more to me from where yes. from where I saw it and what I had. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yourself, next one. Raw Tenenbaums. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You don't, like, you don't like Wes Anderson. I don't like Wes Anderson, though. No. I love Wes Anderson. Okay. Um, and this... I didn't like this film when I first watched it. I didn't like what it was because I watched it as it came out in 2001. So I was like 17. And I saw Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson on the front cover. Uh, Gene Hackman. Uh, I like Gene Hackman a little bit, but I wasn't an aficionado by any means. And I watched it and I expected some kind of dicks out nonsense comedy and it's yeah. anything but no it's not Owen Wilson Luke Wilson Ben Stiller um, Paltrow in this one Paltrow's in it's it a, it's, yeah. it's you know it's Anderson good. no matter what you say gets a stellar cast he gets there's, there's Murray in this one as well Murray's in it yeah. is the phone in this one as well no no one of the few ones he isn't uh, Murray's in it uh, briefly plays a psychiatrist <laughs> falls in love with Ben Paltrow's character but uh I didn't like it. I was uh, with an ex-girlfriend, and she liked it more than me. She was an artist, and she was like, "This is a real masterpiece." And I thought, "You're a pretentious bitch. I don't like this," you know. Um, and then I watched it again about seven years later. I don't know why. I was I felt the compulsion to watch it, and uh, yeah, I, I I fell in love with the film again. Was this before or after Zizou? I didn't get in, 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 into any Wes Anderson until after Tenenbaums. Right. I Zizou had already been and gone. Yes, yeah, so I thought I, 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 I had seen it. No, yeah, seen it. But, uh, yeah. but Zizou was a bit of a disaster commercially for. Yeah. Zizou, in terms of chronology, I think Zizou, in terms of when it was released, was actually after Tenenbaums. Right. Okay. Um, but Owen Wilson was was the co-writer, but ended up in rehab. Right. Okay. Had a heroin overdose, and uh, Noah Baumbach co-wrote it instead. Right. Um, who would occasionally collaborate with Wes Anderson mm. and uh, yeah but I watched World Tenenbaums again 2008-2009 and the film really spoke to me because it spoke about a really dysfunctional family who who pretend not to have love for each other but, yeah, <laughs> but have unden yeah. undeniable love for each other and you can see it and it it ekes through every pore but they can't convey it and they don't know how to yeah, convey yeah. it they are a family, if anyone doesn't know, they're a family of geniuses who were raised and marketed as such in the 70s and 80s by their firebrand, don't give a fuck, will sell my kids to sell money, Gene Hackman dad, and mum who was unwittingly unaware of the chaos that would ensue. Um, I can't remember the name of her, she's in Adam's Family in every Wes Anderson film of all time. Uh, 
I'm Jodie Houston. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. And she's really calm and placid and lovely, but she hasn't got any fire. Like Gene Hackman just brings the film yeah. to life. He's horrible at the time, but he just brings it to life. And the kids, and it basically follows. It's almost like one of those documentaries where you see those child geniuses, and then you revisit them twenty yeah, years yeah. down the line, and they're all as you'd expect mentally deficient and messed up woefully (laughs) having horrendous times and it's there's lots of the niche things that piss people off about Wes Anderson you know there's the little black and white mouse the little mice who just wander around there's the Rolling Stones plaintiff soundtrack and there's little colour coordinated buildings and things and everyone looking cranny everything looks kind of offbeat and weird and almost hipster and niche but I don't give a fuck about any of that. Yeah. Weirdly, as a, he's my he is my favorite director Fair in enough. a sense. Yeah. I love the Coens, like I said earlier. They're, yeah. they're the best ever for me. But my in terms of somebody whose films come out, Wes Anderson for me is the one I get really really pumped about um, because he I, I think his greatest gift is ringing out uh, moments of humanity amidst dysfunction. And so I think this is where he got it right. Where he got it absolutely bang on in every sense. I find it a really emotional film. I find that the characters are all fundamentally terrible, but, <laughs> yeah. but nice. Yeah. They're, they're, they're human. Like, they're not nice people. Like yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow is borderline mute. She was adopted. She can't really converse with anyone. She is. She uses her sexuality as a weapon. Yeah. But she's suicidal. Uh, she plays along. Uh, plays along with uh, Luke, Luke Wilson, who's really earnest and heartfelt. But he's idiotic and naive. <laughs> Owen Wilson is a drug addict who pretends to be cool, but actually is hopelessly lost uh, and, and desperately clinging on to be friends with the Tenenbaums, even though he's not part of them. Yep. Uh, uh, ben Stiller is really repressed and angry at the world, but his wife's died recently, so he's trying to raise his kids and he's failing miserably. And Gene Hackman, this fucking awful human comes into play he's dying but he isn't really dying because he's an asshole and he pretends he's dying to get money I mean they're all terrible but he holds it all together and he brings them all into focus and ultimately all that is left from the film is this sense of love and I love that about I adore that about it because it makes me think that in many ways my family not my immediate family but my whole wider arching family in Scotland are like that we're all a bit mad and a bit just lost mm. in how to connect but it finds strange ways of connecting with people uh, and Wes Anderson is a bit of a master in that so that, that for me is why I'd have it but I understand why it's a very divisive film and why he is a divisive filmmaker yeah I can't, after that wonderful way of putting it I can't really show I just don't like him I just don't like him <laughs> um, I, no, he, he leaves no no I, I, I will get it he leaves say. me very cold you've always said that to me yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've watched I've, I can't say it's not like I've only watched one film I've watched all these movies yeah, yeah you always do to be fair. I always do watch yeah. other films and I just the only one I've liked from start to finish was fantastic, Mr. Fox. Yeah, lovely. I, I really yeah. enjoyed that film, but I went and see. I was actually was really excited about the Hotel Budapest. Grand Hotel Budapest. Is it just Hotel Budapest? Or Grand Hotel. Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Budapest Hotel. That's what it is. Yeah. I was really excited for that film. I really wanted to see. I really wanted to look forward to it. And I watched. It, I just and again, it, just, it felt. I didn't. I, I, again, it left me cold. And I think he's just one of those directors who, as much as I can appreciate his artistry and what he can do for a film. He's always going to leave me a little bit. But at cold least you can appreciate that. Oh, I can appreciate what he does, but I'm it's very little to go back and watch uh, a Tiny Woman film, eh, not him, a uh, Wed Anderson film twice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It'll be a one watch, I'll see what it is, and that's it. And Whereas for me, I'll watch them regularly every yeah. year. 
But uh, but no, I, I get that though. I, I 100% get it. And my number one will leave you feeling exactly the same way. <laughs> so what is yours? Uh, my number two is already before we get Number one is Jaws, we've talked about already. So well, Jaws, we can put that Jaws, on. Jaws, Sharks. Sharks, love Jaws. Um, number two is um, Jurassic Park. Because I think it's a masterpiece. Um, I saw it. Sense, really. I saw it when it was only about five, it's three. I would have been eight. Yeah, so I was eight years old on my birthday um, in Great Yarmouth. It wasn't the first time I'd been in the cinema. It wasn't the first time I'd been in the cinema because I'd seen Robin Hood the year before. Because of Thieves, yeah. Um, but it was the first time I've sat in a cinema and I can read the sort of the obsession. It's the first sense of With cinema, yeah, in terms of awe, like, holy shit, I do not know what the fuck that is. That is a dinosaur on screen and it, it, it is a dinosaur. That sense of awe has never been replicated, I don't think. No, I don't think it will. But I was. And, and I think it's because we were too, we were too young for the Star Wars. Yeah. Moment like yeah. seventy seven. We yeah, yeah. the time we were born, Star Wars had finished. I didn't so, get Star Wars till my late teens. Yeah, the same. Mm. So the moment we have as kids is is that moment. It's the moment of like seeing the Brachiosaurus eating the leaves. It's about you see the Rex step out onto the, the yeah. to take on the cars, yeah. and it's just it's amazing. It's just, and it still seems epic. I watch it now, and I can't see anything other than a dinosaur on screen. I know people maybe can point out the flaws to like the CGI or the. The model work, and I, I still don't see it. I still see it as a perfect. Again, very close to knocking on the yeah. door. My top ten, I remember very clearly watching that. I was in a, a cinema in Cumberland Hall yeah. watching it with my sister, and I remember us both being absolutely flying after it. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's I a film It was overwhelming. Yeah, it's overwhelming. It was, too, it was it was hard to fathom. And it's also it's a film that it got me into wanting to know about like I wanted to know who this guy who made this film was. Like so it, that was the beginning of your spirit. Yeah, love. then they wanted to go back and like my dad said he like oh you done this thing called Indiana Jones so I wanted to watch Indiana Jones and I wanted to watch like Jaws I wanted to watch Close Encounters I wanted to watch. And then as your palate grew, yeah, and then more, more sophisticated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That this is yeah. this is the starting point. You know, so then yeah, and that's probably why I liked Clerks so much. Clerks is a film that opened up a world of indie to me to an extent, you know, because once I seen Clerks, I was like, I wanted to watch every indie film possible. Yeah. But Jurassic Park was one that opened up that year, like, film could be this amazing thing. And People go about Star, Star Wars, Star Wars yeah. but surely, soundtrack-wise, and, or theme tune, uh, anything better than Jurassic Park? Me, no. I, mean, I, I don't be, think so. I want to use it as wedding music, but I'm not yeah, allowed to. You but should. <laughs> yeah, but but she just overrule that shit. <laughs> yeah, she's not listening, so we can see that. Yeah, we can yeah. But so... Yeah, I, I, think it's an amazing, I think it's an amazing soundtrack. Goosebump inducing. As soon as you hear the, that, those two notes... You like, we went and saw, who was it saw? Frank Turner was playing one time, we saw him, and he walked on to the Jurassic Park music, and I thought it was a, like, I'd never seen him live before, and that, to me, I was like... You were on board, straight I was like, on board with you, like... You were sceptical before, Yeah, and I'm like, I'm on board with you now, because yeah, yeah. that you're playing Jurassic Park, you're trying to get behind you. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it's a brilliant blockbuster, it's one that holds up to this day. And like I said, it hit me perfectly as an eight-year-old kid of like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Goldblum as well, man. Goldblum, even though you appreciate Goldblum even more when you watch his performance. Gets better every it's time. Better, he's, he's so Goldblum. He's, so, he's Goldblum and up. Not quite as Goldblum as he is in Thor, but he is Goldblum and up. Um, but yeah, so Jurassic Park number two, George number one. Your final one? Lost in translation. Ah, I mean, I get it, but yeah, and you've watched Lyrical on this many times. I have. I've bored you with this. Yeah. Uh, before. <laughs> Again, it's divisive. My top two are divisive. Um, and I I could make a case for something like Jurassic Park, which is more populist, and I love it just as much. I'm not someone who 
would only go for artistic artistry or auto-esque films oh potentially there are films that have resonated with me and Lost in Translation was a film that I've never felt the way I felt after watching a film as I did watching Lost in Translation it felt as though um, it was it was a kind of a distillation of everything I felt about the world at that particular period of time I was at uni I was 20 and I was I look back at myself now and very much an alien to myself in mm. many ways like, I'm still very much the semblance of me now but you know I'm going into too much angsty ridiculous detail I was I was still trying to find my place in the world and uh, you know you, you I, I watched a film like that 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 film essentially is about dislocation yep. it is about two people in very different periods of their life feeling utterly lost and seeking answers um, and failing for the most part <laughs> uh, and the genius of that film lies it's Kubrickian again in the sense that it's everything about it it doesn't feel like anything's wasted it feels like the setting is perfect it feels like that is the perfect um, uh, location for those feelings mm. to be personified it feels as if the soundtrack the ambient almost languid lost Electronica by Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine really speaks to the speaks to the core of what the film's trying to say. It feels like the way the light bounces off the artificial artificial light that resonates through that alien utopia that or dystopia, whatever you look at it, that is Japan, mm. really fits within the feelings that those central characters have yeah. you have a, a character who is so charismatic Bill Murray it's not just because it's Bill Murray my yeah. top two my I top think two more Bill Murray in my list actually um, this, that's surprising yeah. I have you Bill Murray in my list at all it's fine we know how much you love Bill yeah, Murray yeah, it's all good it's yeah, all good like, Bill Murray not yeah. on that list yeah you should have words of yourself <laughs> but Bill Murray is this, it's just him drinking whiskey and getting annoyed at the fact that he can't sell the line well yeah uh, or then he 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 has reckless abandon in a, a night a karaoke bar singing Roxy music or the heartfelt scene which takes on greater resonance now I'm a father when he's talking to Scott Johansson saying the greatest moment of my life is when I had kids but then it was the scariest moment because I've never felt so lost I've never known how to be a father yeah. I don't know how you don't nobody teaches you how to do that but conversely in the same sentence he's saying now they're they're adults or they're older children I can speak to them I have a conversation with them it's the greatest feeling in the world to think mm. I created that and they are a living breathing person I can connect with them and they are a part of me and they live on that's mm. that's the greatest thing you can accomplish perhaps it's th- those kind of existential questions that are thrown in amidst nonsense nothing statements about sushi and <laughs> nice kimonos you know yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, for a lot of people watch it go it's a film about nothing because it was marketed as a comedy and it's, like, yeah. it's not a fucking comedy there are funny moments but for me it was a film about uh, feeling lost in a world that is confusing and Japan is confusing confused to anyone yeah 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 so if you're that, she's used that metaphor for for two people on different ends of the scale from America the most westernized culture in the world to go to the most eastern mm. culture and she's used that as what seems to be quite a fucking open home run mm. you know in terms of uh, um exemplifying that and she used it to great effect 
I, I genuinely think it's a masterpiece. I watch it every year. I get quite emotional watching it every year. I'm quite lame. I, I have a little whiskey. I have a single malt. <laughs> I have a single malt while I watch it. And I say to Lise, watching Lost in Translation, and uh, Centauri Times. And uh, yeah, I, I, I have real love for that film. I love it. Uh, I adore it. It's in my bones. And uh, it kind of changed the way I, I, I saw film. And not many things have, have weighed up since. Although I will say... Um, uh, Sofia Coppola is a fine filmmaker and has made some interesting films, but she's, she'll never talk about some translation. No, I don't think. I mean, actually, I didn't. I'm watch Relation did leave me much like um, with Anderson stuff, left me pretty cold. Um, again, appreciate what it was doing, but ne- never really didn't resonate with you. Yeah, didn't really resonate. Maybe it's like maybe more personal life is different from yours. Maybe that's why maybe, it didn't maybe. hit me in the same way. Um, but I did quite like her most recent film, The Big Island. She remade that. And I liked quite, it. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it. Because I didn't like Virgin Suicides. I didn't I like love Virgin Suicides. Do you not like it? No. Nah, I just again. No, I, I, I think she's only been a bit of a downward spiral since. When I say I don't like something, it's not necessarily saying I hate no, it. Just, but it just didn't. It didn't. You didn't love it, and it's almost a reaction because you're seeing great reviews everywhere. Ah, oh, I, I don't buy it. I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Lost Translation was much the same. I saw the great reviews. I wanted to see it. I just like you know what? Yeah, it's fine. It's I really like the um, film about literally nothing. Bling Ring? No. The one in the, the, the hotel? Yeah, Dorf. Stephen Dorf. I can't remember the name of the film you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. didn't buy it. I liked it. It felt, I like, it was really was a, cool. it felt like it was a. It a, was indulgent. A lesser man's version of the Linklater ones that they do um, mm, after was. midnight, before it was. midnight. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It felt like it was like uh, Without any, anyone to bounce off. There yeah. were two people to bounce off. It wasn't, yeah. So I didn't it was quite like, a sad film. Very sad, yeah. yeah. Um, Lonely Hollywood character, but yeah. That's Stephen Dorf and Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that, that's my number one film. That was good, dude. I mean, Amazon May's only one film appeared on both. Is that true? Only Jaws was on both. Holy fuck. Yeah. I thought we'd have a couple. I thought we'd have Alien and Pulp Fiction, actually. Well, we both had the same directors playing there. Yeah, well, but, we thought that, didn't we? But, yeah. Only, you know, only well, Jaws. I didn't have... No, I had no Scorsese. You're not Spielberg yeah. either. Oh, you're Jaws, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no Scorsese at all. No Scorsese. Godfather 2, uh, you know, for um, Coppola. I don't yeah. have Coppola either. Scorsese, Goodfellas. I love Casino. I yeah. think it's massively underrated. Nothing. Scorsese even gone, gone close to my list, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I pre- like, again, nothing about appreciation. There's still a lot of five star films without ever being on knocking on the door yeah. by 10. There's yeah. a lot of guys who've been making posts, like, mm-hmm. um, like Coppola never really came close to my list either. Burnt young, burnt bright and young. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Mm. The Palma came close before Touchables, obviously. Yeah, Touchables is going um, knocking on the door. But I enjoyed that, it was fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was, well, self-indul- I was self-indulgent as hell, but yeah, I really enjoyed that, yeah. Good luck editing. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, next week on it we have, out, we've been looking at is, well, Jigsaw's still out, which I think Jill wants to see, so I'm forced to go and see that. Yeah, um, it doesn't look great. doesn't look good. We also have, unfortunately, Jill loves it, and I, like, and I don't want to go and see it, which is a bad mum's Christmas. Oh dear God. That looks bad, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping to maybe combine Bad Mom's Christmas and Daddy's Home into one film and make his, me only have to suffer that once as opposed to two separate Is movies. Is Myla Kunis in it? Yes, who... That's you wouldn't think she's old enough to have two children in the age, but she actually does, the math does work out. That's weird that Meg from Family Guy has two children. Yeah, I'm thinking more the girl from 70 show has got two children. Yeah, either way we're both people. Yeah, both, it's both weird. Um, <laughs> also out is um, Modern Orient Express. Yeah, Which bit of Agatha Christie. What? I don't care. For Poirot's, for um, not Poirot, for Kenneth Branagh's, you know, Branagh, Branagh's um, moustache, it could be worth it. I th- it, it, it looks like it's got its own CGI department. I think it has. He's tied that in with November as well. He has. He's been well. Branagh. Well, he's been tying this in for a while because this film's been advertised for about the past eight months in yeah. the cinema. Like, every, trailer, every film I go to see since about March has a disc 
fucking trailer before it. I think it'll be thoroughly average. Yes, I'm nothing more. I'm expecting a very, yeah. a very beige movie. Mm. Um, also out, which I'm really looking forward to, is Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is a follow-up to. I can't describe how excited I am. The Lobster. I, I can't. I'm just looking forward to something that will challenge me. Yeah, and like, I think this could yeah. be the film that challenges you. I think it could be like I, I think one almost feel it'll be a visceral feeling. Yes. Almost feeling sick. I mean, and I've seen the trailer twice. I don't know what the film's about. No, and that I don't know what the genre is. Yeah, I don't know. It's what a comedy, it's a horror, it's a sci-fi. What the, the hell music is, is hot. Yeah, but the tone seems black comedy. Yeah, it almost I, I it almost know. has a, almost the voices. Can I feel about yes. it? Like, so it could be yes. very dark. So Farrell um, seems to be raveling in that. So I'm glad to see Farrell getting some proper. Yeah, I'm interesting looking forward work. to hearing what you guys think of that. Yep, and also which is out on Thursday. We probably won't talk about it next week, but it is out on Thursday. If people want to see it, is um, the Predator we release. Holy shit! Is that out next week? It's out next week, which is. The um, 30th anniversary of the Predator, which I'm That's really exciting. looking forward to. Yeah, I was hoping to double bill it with Predator and Predator 2, but they're only showing the first one. It's a bit of a shame. Hopefully, they might even pray for a trailer of the new Predator beforehand. Surely to God. You would know. do it, yeah. They show a wee trailer beforehand. Um, that was good, man. I'm glad you joined them for this one. Thank you for having me. It's been an honour. Yes. Um, if you want to find us, we are on 3 at a movie at gmail.com. Um, also on three bears and a movie that's the number three at Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. I've been Richard Laird, you've been Stuart McFall. And you've been listening to Three Beers and a Movie.